And now, Monumental Sports and Entertainment along with Pressbox presents Stan the Fans Bat Around. For the next two hours, listen in as Stan and Craig Heist bat around all manner of topics pertaining to the great game of baseball with their great group of guest contributors. Feel free to tweet your questions to Stan at Stan the Fan. Now sit back and enjoy the bat around. Guys, take it away. And a very pleasant good morning to each and every one of you on this last day of August 2019. Stan the Fan, Craig Heist, your bat-around guys are here for two hours. And sitting in with us today is an upgrade from Griffin Bass or Ryan McGettigan. And I'm sure his parents are very proud about that. Kyle Ottenheimer. Uh, Thank you for having me. Much appreciated. Got the Cal Ripken shirt. You're rocking that. I figured today's as good a day as any. Absolutely. At least I won't be able to wear it with as much pride moving forward, seeing as how it's football season. You know, you got to... 21-31. Baseball takes the front seat this morning. Everybody asks me, you know, about broadcasting and things of that nature. I always ask you, what's your favorite thing, your favorite memory? What's the biggest thing you've ever covered? And I always tell them, nothing beats those two nights at Camden Yards. I've done 17 Super Bowls. All-Star Games, NBA All-Star Games, trip to the Stanley Cup Finals, nothing will ever compare to those two nights. That's that's you know, it's pretty was pretty special. How what? how old were you when uh, that happened? About eight been. years old? No, that was ninety six, right? Ninety five. No, I was four. Four. You're four. Yeah, I yeah. hate you. <laughs> I was four. Um, but no, I still remember like yeah. the the scenes from it all. Like you know, so it's. You remember it by there's photographs by that video. Yes. Also, do you think? I, do you think like 30 years from now he'll be doing a radio show and say to the the board op, the producer, how old were you when I when when Craig and Stan said you were four years old? <laughs> right. At Cal Ripken. It's not impossible. Although it's who not, knows? Yeah. Maybe I'll just be you know retired on a beach somewhere, uh, listening to your radio show. I will not be doing a radio show in 30 years. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Unless uh, Bob Heck and I are I know, up, you know what? No, the you know, here's the deal. We're pretty stubborn. Yeah. <laughs> so we may be. Who knows? I'll miss fighting with you there in you 30 go. years. <laughs> Stan the Fan, Craig Heist. we got a really entertaining show for you today. Uh, it starts off in just a couple minutes guest-wise, guest-list-wise, with Mel Antonin, very fine content provider for Madison Sports and MadisonSports.com. Mel, longtime USA Today baseball writer and now a regular panelist on uh, the Mid-Atlantic Sports Report and writes columns for the uh, Madison website as well. Um, at 1045, Glenn Clark was kind enough to share with us a preview. We're going to have a four-minute preview. And, Kyle, how long is the full interview with Bud Selig that's going to air on Tuesday? Is it like 20 it's, minutes? It or? is roughly – let me just check here. and I've got the ability. I mean, it's a substantial interview. It's he, like he a half covered, an hour? He, he ran the gamut as far as topics are concerned um, for Baltimore. Right. That might be of interest to both Baltimore sport fans, but also just in general about baseball. I mean, he even touched on – you know, the, the recent documentary, the Netflix documentary. But I meant the length of the interview. It's not, lengthy. It, it, I, I, have, I haven't, it's 17 minutes there about probably. Okay, so we're going to have a four-minute preview with some of the Baltimore stuff in there. Not, I think. It's, it's not the Masson-specific or the, uh, but we're going to hear 
a good snippet of some interesting portions of the okay. interview this morning, which will air in its entirety. And, of Tuesday. course, the former commissioner's new book, and I don't know the title of that book, is coming out, and that's uh, why he's making himself available for interviews. I'm going to try and line them up myself for us to. In the interview that we, or the portion of the interview that yeah. we have this morning, it's specifically touching on tanking around baseball, uh-huh. uh, as well as the notion that baseball is becoming too dependent on the home run and, and, and the strikeout and as a result. too much strikeouts. All right. All right. Well, anyway, we're going to have a, sh- a snippet of that, a four-minute-plus preview of no, the interview. Nothing in there about how he screwed up the steroid there? Uh, no? To be honest, I think Glenn did ask him about the – I'm not sure if either of you saw the Netflix documentary. If you haven't yet, I highly recommend it. Screwball, mm-hmm. uh, which is a very uh, tongue-in-cheek, farcical kind of – look at the investigation, the biogenesis scandal and the uh, MLB's subsequent investigation, uh, Glenn did ask him about all of it, right? And I think it's, you can't not touch on his saga. Oh, no, you cannot not touch right. on that. Yeah. No. Anyway, uh, we will have that, uh, that, uh, that preview, which and the entire interview will be aired on Tuesday. Tuesday morning, that is correct. Uh, after or before five words? Um, Probably after. We'll see. We'll see how the, how, the, how the morning shakes Glenn, out. Glenn just wanted about a half hour off. That's yeah, all. exactly. Exactly. Anyway, uh, after the commissioner, we've got an interesting last uh, hour of the show. Manager of the year in the South Atlantic League, uh, Kyle Moore will mm-hmm. join us, who's led his Delmarva Shorebirds to all-time uh, record wins, 88, I think, it, as we currently said. Do they have a couple more regular season games? Yeah, through this weekend and then the playoffs. And the playoffs, weekend, yeah. sorry. So Kyle Moore, who uh, was Aberdeen's manager last year and has been in the organization for 10 years, he'll join us. Then Eric Garfield. And do you know Eric at all? I do not. Eric was a he's a Baltimore uh, Baltimore born young man lives in Sarasota now. He was Steve Davis's and Steve Molesky's Sportsline producer mm-hmm. for a while at WBAL. He owns a snowball company in Sarasota, Florida. He was uh, hit by a car as he rode his bike uh, three I days re- into spring training. I recall that story. And he's been rehabbing all summer. He's really got. Banged up pretty bad, separated, ter- and, he, and he's a very athletic kid. Mm-hmm. Loves to play basketball, hasn't played any basketball, hasn't been able to work. Uh, but what he was able to do the last month or so was go to all the Gulf Coast League games um, with his dog and watch the uh, Orioles, the Gulf Coast Orioles, who had a pretty good season. But Ma- they're Managed by Alan Mills. Managed by Alan Mills, and they will not get a chance to win a championship because the uh, Gulf Coast League has suspended play because, and, of, because of Hurricane Dorian. Right. Um, and Eric's going to give us some insights into some players uh, for about 10, 12 minutes. And then... If it's not enough that we have the manager of the year of the South Atlantic League in Kyle Moore, we're going to have the manager of the year in the Eastern League, Buck Britton. Okay. Young, older brother of uh, Zach Britton. Quite a season he's had. And he's had quite a season in his first year managing the Bowie Bay Sox. Not his first year managing, uh, but it's interesting that all three managers, uh, you know, the main three managers all got bumps up. Keith Moore went for Kyle Moore went from uh, Aberdeen to Delmarva and well, actually and Buck Britton went from Frederick to yeah. or no from Delmarva 
up to Bowie. Right. And Bowie's manager, longtime manager Gary Kendall, yeah. stepped up to manage at uh, Norfolk. 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 Right. That's yeah. what I was going to say. I think the only one that stayed put was Ryan Miner. Right? I believe that's true. Yes. At Frederick. Yeah. He likes it. He lives in Yeah, well, he used, to, he used to manage Delmarva. Delmarva yeah. for a long time. All right. Well, anyway, I think that's a pretty interesting uh, uh, group of guests today. Um, Nats, uh, heroic win last <laughs> night. Um, I forgot what, what I did. I was going back between tennis, the Orioles, and the, the, um, the, the Nats, and all of a sudden I turn on the Nats and I go, damn it, they're losing 6-5 to five in the ninth inning. And, but they were just coming up, and I said, nah, Ryan Stanek, they can get them. Right, and they sure, sure did. Uh, they got a couple on. Uh, Howie Kendrick, again, pinch hitter, leads off the inning in, in the pitcher's spot, and he singles to right field. Another big hit for Howie, and he's done that all year. Uh, Trey Turner comes up and uh, draws Great a walk. Great at bat. Great, Great at, at bat, bat because he's down the 1-2 in the count and draws the walk. Uh, and then that set the stage for Anthony Rendon, uh, para, a batter later because para, para, of faded uh, yeah, bunt popped attempt. Up, popped up the bunt. Uh, he attempted sacrifice, and then uh, Rendon came up and uh, hit a ball that just got over the infield out in the left field, and that was enough to score uh, Kendrick. And then Trey Turner with his speed, he did score, and uh, they walked it off 7-6. to six. But, uh, again, Anthony Rendon, what can you say? He's got to be mentioned now in the MVP conversation. I think he's the lead candidate myself. You know, He's definitely the most underrated player in baseball, and, right? And, well, there's no question in my mind about that. Has been for a long time. And uh, the other part about it is he and Christian Yelich right now head neck and neck for the batting title. Right. So, uh, again, just to how'd, bat- how'd Lewis Brinson do last night for Miami? That's Miami's big return for Christian Yelich. What, is he cracked 200 yet? Is he still Lewis Brinson? Club? Is yeah, he, he, he played it? last night. Okay. Do you know what he's batting? As the producer, I will take a look. I think he's hitting 199 going into that game last night. So, but uh, again, big win. They stay five and a half back of the Braves, four in the loss column, and uh, they're two and a half up on the Cubs for the uh, wild top wild card spot. Cubs are in second place, and uh, you know the Phillies last night and the Mets. The Mets. And I'll tell you who else are red hot now. The Diamondbacks have won four in a row. this this week and they're right back in the uh, wild card yeah i think race. they're four back yeah of the final wild card yeah. spot but i mean anything's possible a month ago uh about 28 to 30 games depending on uh, uh what team we're talking about here but uh again you got to like what you saw last night out of the nats there's some good resiliency there because that's a game that they could have lost uh and uh they didn't so daniel hudson Gave up the two-run homer, but uh, then wound up getting out of the inning, the rest of it unscathed. So uh, at least he kept it right there at 6-5 before the Nats mounted the rally. Brinson went one for four with a double, a strikeout, and a stolen base. Okay. okay. And what's he batting right now? 189. That's the return. That's the big return. They got a couple other players, and I'm, I'm being a little bit facetious, but, boy, that's a, that's a lousy trade. Christian it's, a, well, it's a lousy trade, but what were you going to do? You weren't going to pay him. If no, you weren't going to trade him. Well, he was actually he was he was under a Team fairly decent for, control two, contract, two or like three more years, two or three yeah. at twelve million dollars. But, but they've something. done that with a couple different players. I'm and just saying they could have gotten a better return yeah. than Lewis Brinson. Oh, I think well, people yeah, felt but, that also about the Stanton trade, right? When they kind of the Yankees deal was a little bit, mm. yeah. yeah, yeah, tilted in the Yankees' yeah. favor. Um, 
real quick before we get Mel Antonin on, you know, it was something when Power came up last night. Mm-hmm. That baby shark thing. It you've been around. Sticks in your head all night long. I, I know that, but have you ever quite seen anything like that in American baseball? Seriously. Uh, no, you'd be hard pressed to kind it's, of come up really with something. It's really a unique thing yeah. that has mm-hmm. taken off. It's very reminiscent, and that that is a a sort of Japanese thing right the, the well i mean i you know you ask any parent i, I you know I, i've asked a couple different mothers right. that say oh my god baby shark my kid loves that right you know? exactly but it's i think it was animation yeah was and, japanese and, animation it is i've never seen anything quite like that how the stadium goes berserk berserk and they start doing the yeah. you know the stuff like yeah it's beyond me but i don't have children right i'm in the sweet spot where I'm too old to have paid well, attention. None of, the three, none of the three of us have children. No. At least Craig uh, well, doesn't none that know, I know of. Right, right, exactly. I also don't go to the ballpark as often as you guys to well, see it here, in action. And here's the thing. What's, what's funny is to watch the reaction of the other players on the other team. Right. They're, they're, like, they're, they're like, what's going on around here? <laughs> Freddie Freeman of the Braves had the best uh, reaction to it. He was just looking around going... What the hell is this? <laughs> it's like you've landed on another planet right. or something. So. Anyway, uh, a flip side of that, a very sad news, um, not that not that you were, it, it was going to bring Tyler Skaggs back, but you were kind of hoping that tragically it was just natural causes, but apparently uh, he had taken a mix of alcohol and fentanyl and Oxycontin and essentially... Died, uh, died choking on his own vomit. You're right. And, and uh, it's very sad. He basically suffocated himself. Suffocated and, himself. And, and to be clear, the fentanyl is the thing that was the culprit here. Like it's, That's like an opiate that's a thousand times more powerful, powerful. than Oxycontin. Yeah, and the way, and it's, the way it's described by a lot of people, the way it's made now. It sneaks into a, different, a lot of different... Like People will buy something thinking it's and then fentanyl will be what kills them it is right and there's no evidence that tyler skaggs was a drug addict or anything like that but maybe dealing with pain you know and uh, but i'm sure that'll be investigated as to how he got it where he got it well the Uh, the terrible part of this not that again it would bring him back but is that uh, apparently they think uh and it's early in the investigation that an angel employee not another player like the miguel tejada Palmero, uh, you know, uh, saga. B12, right. The B12 saga, but that apparently a uh, it was acquired from a uh, angel employee uh, who certainly wasn't trying to sure. kill, uh, you know, Tyler Skaggs, and there's no evidence that he was a, a heavy drug user at all. So it's really a tragic story. Yeah. Yep. Tragic story. Um, when you get a chance, we'll make our connections with uh, Mel Anton and talk to him about a myriad of baseball topics. Tonight at um, Nats Park, it will be Pablo Lopez going for the uh, Miami Marlins against Steven Strasburg. And, Craig, uh, as we get Mel Antonin on, I thought we'd talk about that a little bit. Is Steve Stras- Steven Strasburg creeping in with the, with the second half that Scherzer's had, the fact that DeGrom is only 8-8, eight and eight, uh, and Rayu is struggling so much the last three, four starts, uh, Steven Strasburg becoming a real candidate. I don't for, think there's any question about Sion. it. I don't think there's any question about it. And I think Scherzer still is a candidate yep. for it. Uh, but the thing with Steven is the uh, last three starts, 
he's had no decisions and, uh, you know, and, and not not to his fault, but uh, uh, she's been stuck on 15 for a little while. Right, right. So, um, yeah. But, but yeah, with well, the way he's pitched, but. Listen, I thought Scherzer a month ago was a, a shoe-in to win the Cy Young Award. Right. Well, he'll go tonight, and, and let's not just forget. Strasburg's going tonight. Yeah, Strasburg's yeah. going tonight, but let's let's not forget the. Uh, contribution that Joe Ross and Eric Fetty made. No question uh, about it. During that stretch where Scherzer was out. And, you know, and Ross will probably pitch one of those games in the Mets series. Let's uh, welcome in our friend uh, Mel Antonin from MassInSports.com. Mel, thanks for taking some time out of your busy Saturday morning. All right, Stan. All right, Craig. Good to be with you guys. Uh, Let's start with that topic that I just asked Craig about. Uh, And you and I batted around the other day with Byron Kerr. Uh, on the Mid-Atlantic Sports Report, do you think that Steven Strasburg has become a viable candidate for Cy Young because of the problems the other three main contenders have had in terms of DeGrom full body of work with only eight victories, Scherzer's injury, and Rayu's ineffectiveness of late if it were to continue? Yeah, I think I think he does because of his durability. And I understand that the new age voters – uh, don't have as much respect for 20 wins, but Strasburg's going to approach, he's got a chance to get 20 wins, and uh, that's important. But they'll look at the secondary stats, and they'll look at ERA and WHIP, and and Strasburg's ERA is at 3.63. You know, Ryu's still at 2.35. You know, I don't know. I think he's got a chance. I don't know if he's got a chance, but I think he should be seriously considered, given that Ryu is struggling right now, although it's only three starts. Uh, Scherzer's been out six weeks, and DeGrom, you know, he's got good secondary. DeGrom is, DeGrom is an interesting case because he's throwing almost 170 innings. He's throwing 169 innings. So to answer your question, I think Strasburg deserves serious consideration, but I think secondary stats and the fact that Rayu is allowed at least three bad starts is probably not the end. He's probably still the favorite. Yeah, I agree with you. I think I think Strauss deserves some consideration. I don't think Scherzer's out of that mix uh, either. But we saw what happened last year uh, with Max having uh, whatever it was, 19 wins, I guess it was, and uh, and Degrom, and DeGrom with, with 11. Right. Yeah. So uh, from that standpoint. Uh, you, you mentioned the new age voters, and, and while I don't necessarily agree with it, uh, I'm one of those guys that if you ask, like, for example, you ask Max Scherzer whether wins means anything to a pitcher, and he's going to tell you absolutely they mean something. Yeah, yeah, they do. I mean, it was amazing how many how many games last year, though, DeGrom gave up two in runs or less and didn't win. Right. I mean, Wins are out of a pitcher's control, and if you've got a strong whip, if you've got a very good whip, and you've got a lot of strikeouts, and your hits per innings are down, I, you know, sometimes wins can be overrated. But generally speaking, if I tell you that you're going to build your team with a 17-game winner, you're going to take it and not even look at the secondary stats. Right, and the other part of that too is uh, if if you look at Scherzer's first part of the season, this team was. Uh, two and ten in his, you know, starts at the early part of the season with him on the mound. So lack of run support, the fact that he was pitching well, uh, maybe that gets he taken. Pi- he was pitching well, but he wasn't pitching like Max Scherzer. What early in the year? Early in the season. Now you go back and run average. What wasn't? 
No, but it but came down throughout. He, of course. Yeah. Then he had, well, he had, he had one bad start in He's, Miami. I guarantee you he, he is had, not going to be a serious candidate. He had one bad start against Miami in Miami where he, did, where he made it through one inning. And he gave up a ton of runs. Okay. That was basically, I that was the, you, basically not, the first 12 starts. You can starts. throw him out of the mix, okay? Okay, I'm fine. You. Okay. I think if you look at secondary stats, though, for instance, he's got about 80 more strikeouts than Ryu. He's got just 10 or 12 <laughs> fewer innings, but his whip is virtually the same. So if some voter decides that Max Scherzer likes dominant strikeouts and, and, another, and another strikeout title and looks at the whip and goes, wow, the ERAs aren't that far apart. Uh, they might, they might, it's, it's a bizarre year. Every yeah. year is unique, but this year has got some interesting questions and you guys have just debated them very well. Let me, uh, let me get back over though to the, we debated them very well. We, like we debated him. Old child. We, we debated him pretty well. I gave Craig the, subject, I gave Craig the <laughs> finger forgetting that we were on, uh, Are you guys still the, friends? Oh, yes, of course we are. That's the very least we could <laughs> give each other. We debated it very well, Mel, yeah, but not quite as well as you thought. <laughs> Hey, Mel, all kidding aside now, though, the Dodgers. Um, uh, I, I think we all thought the Dodgers were going to, which which they have done, run away with the National League uh, West uh, and be firmly the best team going into the playoffs. But they've kind of sprung a few leaks here, and the Rayu situation, to me, is really the latest in, in some, some issues there that I see. Yeah, it, it depends on, I mean, Ryu obviously has been pitching about a 140 ERA in the first five months. Right. In his last three starts, what was it, 18 runs in the last 14 innings over three starts, something like that. But, um, you know, he's had injuries in the past, and maybe that's the, that stuff is catching up with him. But I think there, I agree with you, there's questions about their best pitcher, Ryu. There's questions about their closer, Kenley Jansen. And even though he is a strong MVP candidate, there's closers about Clay Bellinger because he has not hit in the second half like he did in the first half. He's still got a lot of home runs. But uh, you just the Dodgers never look like the best team in baseball, but when you look at their record, they are. We're reminding you that we're broadcasting for the Live Casino Hotel Studio. If you've dro- if you're following us on Facebook Live, live please like and share the uh, broadcast. We appreciate it. Uh, Mel Antonin is our guest from MassInSports.com. Mel, uh, the Orioles, and you and I get to kick this around a couple times a week. You're on every night uh, on the Mid-Atlantic Sports Report. Orioles, aside from when they play the very best, uh, have carved together an interesting last six weeks. Yeah, I think they will. Um, There's no question that uh, there's no question they can score enough runs to have a winning team, right as they are now. Mm-hmm. The question is whether or not they can pitch. And when the pitching goes well, they get some quality starts, they win those games. And um, they're not at the Yankees' level or the, the Astros' level, but they can have an interesting September because they're a young team fighting for jobs, and that's, that's what can make the Orioles interesting. Well, last night when you get a start like John Means, case in point to, your, to what you're talking about, Seven innings, and uh, then you get the offensive output that they got last night. That bodes pretty well. And, you know, if you look at him and if Dylan Bundy can somehow, you know, be a consistent pitcher with, you know, without giving up a ton of runs, uh, I think they've got a good shot if they get one or two other guys. And, you know, I, I look at Wojciechowski and I look at uh, Means. 
these are two guys that, you know, at the beginning of the year, the Orioles didn't really think much of in terms of what they could contribute. Yeah. And now all of a sudden, they, they may have found two diamonds in the rough in this regard. Yeah, I agree. And you can have a competitive team if you have three very solid starters. Yeah. That's what we were talking about at the beginning. If Alex Cobb is Alex Cobb, Kashner pitches well, and Bundy is Bundy. You meant me. You meant means. You said Kashner. No, no, I meant no. at the beginning. Oh, oh at the beginning of the season. I'm sorry. This is I'm, what we're I'm, saying at the beginning of okay. the season. The yeah. Orioles can be competitive if Kashner, Kashner, Bundy, and Cobb all pitch up to capabilities. They can be capable because a rebuilding team. If you get three starters, you can win some games. Obviously, Cobb got hurt. Cash. We know the story about Kashner. We know how Bundy's been inconsistent. But as long as you get three starters going. That's a major step in the right direction for a rebuilding team, and and they've got that potential, just as you said, Craig. Yeah, and uh, you know, it, it, I I really like I, and you know, you go to the ballpark as a fan, and you're saying, well, what's there to go to the ballpark for? Well, watching John Means pitch for the most part this year was one of the reasons to go watch the Orioles. Yeah, and you know, even when he was slumping a little bit, he wasn't getting hit all that hard. He had some he had some rocky stretches, but overall, he's he's come on very strong and. The fact that he's, you know, um, he's not really a, a big strikeout pitcher. He's only got about a three-to-one strikeout-to-walk ratio, but he's just a very consistent pitcher, and it's fun to watch change-up pitchers, and he's he's one of the best, and given his inexperience, the fact that he's winning with a change-up, um, that's, 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 I think that's a rare story in a lot of ways. It takes a long time for a young pitcher to develop a change-up and the confidence to throw it. Yeah, and it was great last night to see him do it in Kansas City because he's from out in that area, yep. and I'm sure he had a ton of folks and friends uh, in the stands, so even better for John Means. Yeah, he grew up 35 miles south of Kauffman Stadium. He and Bubba Starling, the outfielder for the Kansas City Royals, right. were high school teammates. They batted 3-4 in their high school lineup together. Means protected Bubba Starling. But, yeah, they used to go to games a lot as fans, pay five bucks for a seat and um, and cheer on Joe Randa and Mike Sweeney. We remind you that the bat around is presented by Mobile One. Mobile One full synthetic motor oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center and ask for Mobile One. Mel, just a couple more minutes. We all happen to mention the name that has been like a forgotten man around these parts. Orioles, and again, we're not talking about them being a contender next year, but boy, if Bundy and Means are at the top of the rotation and Alex Cobb is somehow able to come back after these two disappointing seasons, certainly would change the dynamic of what this team can accomplish next year. I agree. I agree 100%. As as I said earlier, if you get three starters going in the right direction, very consistent, and then – with the bullpen, um, you know, Hunter Harvey, maybe Dylan Tate, uh, maybe Michael Givens, who knows? Bullpens are always in flux. I think we could debate whether or not Hunter Harvey should be a starter or not. But I think for a team that's trying to develop stability and develop young pitching, the best thing to have, the best scenario is to have three solid 180 to 200 inning guys thrown at the top three slots of the rotation and then having all your prospects battle for four and five without any pressure on them. We're talking with Mel Antonin from MassinSports.com. Mel, from the ridiculous to the uh, purely tragical, uh, this this situation down in Washington where Gerardo Parra picked up this walk-up <laughs> song, you know, the Baby Shark song, 
it 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 almost reminds me of that movie with Tom Selleck when he played uh, an aging American slugger that goes to Japan to look at the ferocity of the passion of the Japanese fans. They've taken this piece of animation and the song Baby Shark. I've never quite seen anything like this in American baseball. Uh, that's a good question. Um, off the top of my head, I can't think of anything either. But it's a it's a bizarre story because the Giants at the beginning of the season needed outfielders. They needed outfielders to the point where they were giving everybody a chance to play in the outfield. And they gave Para like 120 at bats, something like that. They gave him a long time to to try to settle in, and he only he he couldn't hit 200. <laughs> then he comes to the Nats, and he develops this phenomenon and um, and starts hitting, hitting in clutch, pinch hit, you know the the home run and the grand slam in in Los Angeles and everything. It is amazing how one player can just stink so badly for one team when he's given a chance to play full time, and then he moves to it across the country. And he becomes uh, this hero. What's you know? interesting and, uh, about that, though, too, is the fact that the Giants, Mel, uh, once he was uh, released by San Francisco, a lot of people there talked about what a presence he had in that clubhouse and, you know, how he mixed in with, with the guys, and they were sorry to see him go. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you can tell by just being around him as you have, Craig, and it, he's He's just a fun guy to have in the clubhouse. That's one thing the Nats got going. They've got a good chemistry in their in their clubhouse. They're very relaxed and they're very talented. But they're just they're not dealing with the expectations of winning that they have in the past. They're expected to win. They know that. But I think it got to them in uh, in previous years. And I don't think it's getting to them this year. Mel, before we let you go, and not to end on a real downer, but this this story about the Tampa Bay Rays pitching prospect, Blake Bivens, and the tragic loss of what he has said or his whole life, his wife, son, and mother-in-law were all murdered by, apparently, by his wife's brother. Uh, this is just a devastating story, isn't it? Yeah, I, read, I was reading some of the details on it this morning, and it just... It teaches us all a lesson to appreciate what we have because you just never know what could happen in the next hour or the next day or whatever. But it's a tragic story, and I'm sure that um, if people reading the story and baseball fans around the country um, can learn to realize and appreciate what they have in family and everything, uh, I think I think that would actually help uh, Bivens feel a little bit better. But I can't imagine his pain. But the only thing you can say is, gee, we, we'll do anything we can to help you. But it's it's an awful thing. And the Tyler Skaggs incident uh, and what they find yeah, out the in latest, the autopsy. The latest yeah. news out of the autopsy. Yeah, that's another thing. It's just it's it's hard to believe. It's just hard to believe, and it just makes you thankful for uh, for health and life and, and all that. All right, and friendship. Uh, we really and friendship. We appreciate your taking some time out of your schedule to come on the show periodically and love working with you, Mel. All right, All right guys. All right, good talk to be soon. with you. Thank you. It's All good right. being with you guys. All right. Notice how he didn't say, I love working with you. Yeah. Did you notice he I didn't say? Well, he's yeah. got the same attitude I do. <laughs> we just do it for the money, right? <laughs> you guys much. just do it for the money. Yeah. Yeah. You're whores. Basically, everybody's a whore in this business. Right. Yeah. If the shoe fits, wear it. Uh, We are going to take our first time out, and we'll remind you once again, we're broadcasting from the live casino 
Hotel Studios. And I want to welcome back a longtime sponsor and friend, Mark Schwartzman and the folks over at GBT. And where did I? I know I just put it in here. There it is. Uh, they're located, Glen Burnie Transmissions, located right in the heart of Glen Burnie. Glen Burnie Transmissions has been around going on 60 years. And if you suspect you're having a transmission problem, GBD can save you hundreds of dollars over taking it to the car dealers for repair. Make an appointment, and they offer estimates and free diagnostic. Call GBT toll-free at 855-728-1841. Their mission is simple, to provide excellent service at a reasonable price. If you have any questions about the level of service, go to their website at gbtonline.com to check out the number of five-star reviews. Let my friend Mark Schwartzman and his GBT team take the troubles out of transmission troubles. Call them today, toll-free at 855-728-1841. And Craig, uh, the Costas Inn. That's Let's right. Tell folks 40, about that. 4100 North Point Boulevard, the Costas Inn is the place to go for the best in steamed crabs, crab cakes, and just about anything on the menu. Specials throughout the week, Monday night crab cake night, Tuesday night is rib night, Wednesday night is steak night with half-price bo- half bottles of wine uh, for dinner, and also uh, Thursday night is lobster night, and you get that plain or stuffed. And uh, throughout the week, great menus, at least four or five uh uh, specials on each and every day of the menu. Uh, one of my favorites is prime rib. It's to die for. Uh, the Costas in 4100 North Point Boulevard. Uh, Nick, Nick and Pete will treat you correctly. <laughs> or treat you right yeah. at 4100 North Point Boulevard. And one more amazing shows continue in the live event center at Live Casino Hotel this fall. Next week, Saturday, September the 7th, Norm McDonald, funny man, will be there. Tickets start at just $29.50, include $10 in free slots play. Other shows coming to the live event center this fall include Grand Funk Railroad, Boz Skaggs, Kenny Babyface Edmonds, Gladys Knight, and Michael Bolton, and more. Get your tickets now by going to livecasinohotel.com. Around here, there are two kinds of chicken. Royal Farms' world-famous chicken and everything else. What's the difference? Royal Farms' chicken is always fresh, never frozen. It's hand-dipped in a secret recipe of herbs and spices and cooked on the spot right in the store. Chicken from anywhere else? Who knows? Hungry for some hot and delicious chicken? Get some Royal Farms' world-famous chicken. It's one of a kind. And don't forget the Western fries. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Baltimore's favorite bar is just 771 feet from home plate at Camden Yards. Sliders Bar and Grill is at 504 Washington Boulevard, just steps away from Camden Yards. It's the perfect sports bar for every season. This is the perfect time to book your private party or take the office to lunch. Feeding clients, take them to Baltimore's neighborhood sports bar, Sliders, for great food and drinks with some local atmosphere. You can book your private event on the second floor or on the outside patio, both overlooking the best stadium in baseball. See all of Sliders' daily specials or book your party at slidersbaltimore.com sliders baltimore's neighborhood sports bar visit them today in birdland summer looks a lot like strolling under the lights on utah street diving into a juicy boogs barbecue sandwich snagging exclusive giveaways and tagging your friends to get theirs too 
saving big with kids cheer free or sipping on an ice cold brew on the Budweiser roof deck while jamming out to the all new Birdland summer music series. Whatever gets you going this summer, Oriole Park has you covered. And all you need is your ticket. Be part of it all. Orioles.com. Check out Costa's Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. They're known far and wide for their great steamed crabs and crab cakes. And their nightly specials also include crab cake night on Monday, rib night on Tuesday, steak night on Wednesdays with a half-price bottle of wine, and lobster night on Thursdays. Check out CostasInn.com to find out more. And the delicious crab cakes are shipped anywhere. Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values, earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now, in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com slash bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. The Smokehouse Barbecue Bacon Sandwich has come to Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square. A boneless breast of chicken marinated with a special blend of seasonings and grilled for a tender and juicy backyard grilled taste served on a toasted buttered sweet yeast bun with Colby Jack cheese, bacon hand-tossed in a brown sugar and pepper blend, and green leaf lettuce. Topped with zesty smokehouse barbecue sauce, have it with their real lemonade and the famous Chick-fil-A waffle fries for a late summer meal that satisfies. Nobody waits for food unless they choose to. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square offers the super fast service you count on. Dine-in, drive through or pre-order with your Chick-fil-A app and it'll be ready when you get there. Plus, if you use the Chick-fil-A app, you automatically accrue points for free food. There's no better time for Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square than today. 5198 Campbell Boulevard in the Nottingham Square Shopping Center. Catering available. This is former Turf AJ Francis just here to let you know that I am a huge wrestling fan. I know you are too. And there's a lot of stupid idiots out there that ruin the wrestling podcast experience for everyone else. Hey, Aaron Oster from the Baltimore Sun and Rolling Stone. I don't understand why people would ever cheer for Roman Reigns. He's awful. I'm sick of it. Boo! Boo Roman Reigns! Never wrestled for Ring of Honor. Never wrestled for PWG. Never wrestled uh, in Japan. He is no Kenny Omega. Too sweet me, bro. I hate both of you. And this is why I keep stupid idiots like you on my list. This is your boy, Y2AJ, here to save you. Find Jobbing Out, the podcast tab at PressBoxOnline.com, on SoundCloud or iTunes. Stan the Fan and Craig Heist uh, here. Almost coughed up my water because... Kyle Ottenheimer had said, we got another minute, and then he oh, I'm sorry. Well, there was another minute on the audio file, Okay, thanks to this beautiful song. All right. Anyway, we are your uh, (laughs) bat around guys. We're here until 12 noon, still coming up on the show. Two managers of the year. It's a first for the bat around, Craig. Yeah. We've had broadcasters of the year, because you've won a broadcaster of the year award, right? Three times. Yeah. Yeah. I've never won one. Okay. <laughs> um, Kyle Moore, the manager of the year at Delmarva. I thought I handled that it's quite beautiful well. Beautiful silence. I thought, I thought I handled that yeah. quite well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, I could have expected from a friend, yeah, but you you, you know, you really well, deserve well, one. No, but nothing. No, no, nothing. What, what, what did you want me to say? I'll give you one of mine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wouldn't have expected that. Nor would I want one of yours. No, there you go. I know they're at the Costas Inn. Right? Well, no, my my are they hanging? No, the my Cost- my picture is at the Costas Inn. Yeah. What uh, did Jane, What did Jane do that one time? Oh, I put, don't our, know. 
remember you were coming and we put up my picture. Oh, your so, picture on the wall. Yeah, yeah, we put yours down. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my picture is still on the wall. Well, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, I see it every time I go in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, boy, he's really getting some zingers in on, <laughs> on me this week. Uh, two managers a year. Kyle Moore, manager of the Delmarva Shorebirds, will be on with us at 11.05. And then at 11.35, Buck Britton, manager of the year at uh, Bowie this season. Uh, will join us um, as well. Um, tonight, 7.05 at Nats Park, Pablo Lopez against Steven Strasburg. Yes, and uh, <laughs> the Nationals on a pretty good roll right now, uh, 7 of 8, and going along pretty well, uh, 11 of 13. Who was that one lost to? Remind me. I was to the Orioles, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That was the and that's great. And that world that was beater, Aaron Brooks. That was a two nothing. Aaron Brooks win over Patrick Corbin. Yeah, inexplicable. Who <laughs> gave up? Who <laughs> gave up two runs in the first inning, then set down fifteen in a row? I will tell you that those two losses by the by the Houston Astros in the last three weeks, one to the Orioles with Verlander on the hill, mm-hmm. and then. Who was this? The, the Tigers yeah. beat yeah. Verlander, and they didn't beat Verlander, but they beat the Astros. Those are the two all-time record upsets, for upsets in, in Major League Ball for a ma- game in the day. Yeah. I'll bet the you, odds entering the I'll game. Bet you, thing, I'll yeah. bet you the Aaron Brooks-Corbin matchup has got to be up there pretty high. Yeah, I would think so too. Yeah. Uh, you know, when maybe you're not an all-timer, but maybe in the top ten or fifteen. No, but when you go into that game and you look at the records and you look who's throwing, you yep. know, and but, I mean, but again, Brooks's ERA was eight going into right. That but game. we we looked at we looked at each other coming out and saying, "Hey, the reverse lock. It's the Jim Henneman reverse no, lock. No, no question about it." Hey, uh, let's take a look. We know that the Houston Astros are going to win the Na- American League West. Right. The Minnesota Twins, after being tied two weeks ago by the Indians, they've gone the exact opposite way. The Twins have bolted back to a four-and-a-half game lead. Right. I don't see them losing that lead, and the Yankees have a commanding lead in the East. But that leaves three pretty good baseball teams. The Indians at 79-56. and 56, the A's at 78 and 56, just a half game behind Cleveland, and Tampa at 78 and 58, a game and a half behind Cleveland. Uh, two of those three teams are going to make the playoffs. Is it going to be the first two, Cleveland and Oakland, or has Tampa still got a shot here? I think Tampa still got a shot, but you got to wait and see how it all plays out. But, uh, you know, for me, it's tough to bet against uh, Bob Melvin and the Oakland A's because of everything they've done in the past to get themselves into the playoffs with with just sensational second halves of the season. You know what's surprising about Oakland this season, though, is that they're doing it with their Chris Davis, the Chris Davis with a K, having a very subpar season. Subpar season, but one of the things I think that will help them down the stretch is Acquiring Tanner Roark and uh, you know he's, Homer Bailey's pitched Homer, well too. Homer Bailey's pitched well and Roark's had some pretty good games for them already. And they're getting back. They got back AJ Puck about two weeks ago, and they're due to get back in the next week or so. Jesus Lazardo, mm-hmm. a young prospect that I think they picked up from the Nationals, right? In that Blake Trinan, uh, Ryan Matson, uh, Sean Doolittle Sean deal, Doolittle, right? Uh, and they also are due to pick back up Sean Manaya. So they look like they've got more fortifications coming. Meanwhile, 
Carlos Carrasco might be coming back very shortly, but Corey Kluber had a little bit of a setback about a week ago. Yeah, so that's going to hurt coming down the stretch, too. And, uh, of course, who'd they lose for the season uh, out of their lineup? The Indians? Yeah. Um, I can't remember right quick. Oh, God, I'm str- Left-handed stick. It's not Kipnis. It's not Santana. No. Not Lindor. They did lose somebody. I know. Yeah. I know. All right. Anyway, um, in the National League, you've got. It looks like Atlanta is going to hold on. I mean, they do still have seven games left with Washington, but realistically, Washington would have to go five and two right. in those seven games. But if you if you look at that division, right, the Braves and the Nationals uh, are the are the the two teams that have beaten up on the Miami Marlins. Right. The the Nats have just won their seventh in a row. They'll try to make it eight tonight. Uh, but when you look at what the Phillies have done against the Marlins, yeah, the Phillies are a like game seven under and nine, 500 yeah. against them. So, yeah, when you look at the Phillies and you look at where they're standing right now, you can attribute that a lot to their performance against the Marlins. No question about it. No question about it. Atlanta right now has a five and a half game lead over in the central. But four, four in the loss column. Four in the loss column. It's still a, quite a dogfight in the central between the Cardinals and the Cubs. They, it's like a little bit of a roller coaster ride. Earl Weaver used to say, you know, you're going to have your ups and your downs. But right now the Cubs have bounced back and they've won four in a row, seven and three, and it's a good thing to have because the Cardinals, while the Cardinals are on a one-game losing streak. The Cardinals are eight and two in their last ten, so one of the two of them is going to win the the division. Probably one of those two will be one of the wild card teams. Do you give Philly, Milwaukee, Arizona, or the Mets any chance to get in this mix? I give Arizona more of a chance to get I in the think mix. I do now than than Philly, and I'll tell you why because. Uh, Philly's bullpen is just a mess. I mean, everybody. They lost everybody. You look at the games last night, for example, so many teams, just their bullpens are not good. Yeah. I mean, in fairness. And you can, you can throw that into the Nationals until now. I think having Ilias back, he came back last night, did walk in the – that was a tough spot to put him in, though, right right off the bat. Right. Uh, he, he did walk in the tie run, but then he gets the double play ground ball to get out of the inning, and, he, you know, the Nats go on. Uh, again, Hudson with the hiccup in the top of the ninth inning. Uh, Fernando Rodney was very good again last night in the eighth inning. But, uh, again, this mixing and matching coming down the stretch is going to be very key for Dave Martinez when you stop to think about who he has available and and how he determines he wants to maneuver those guys. The one thing they did do yesterday was DFA Matt Grace. Yep. And a lot of people thought that should have been done a while ago. In fact, I said to you, I think two or three weeks ago, I thought Matt Grace had pitched his way off this team. And uh, as it turned out, yesterday that happened. Yep. Did take a while, but he is off that team. Um, Craig, the I think a lot of us felt that the Dodgers – were by far and away the best team in the National League. I'm beginning to think that any team that makes it into the playoffs in the National League has a bit of a puncher's chance at beating the Dodgers now. Oh, I think so, too. And this was one of the things we talked about the other night, is that if you're heading into a series, the first one being a 3-out-of-5 series, 
Uh, and this is why it's important for the Nationals not to give up on the division. You want to win the division. You want to avoid that one-game playoff uh, in the wild-card game. And case in point is what happened with the Orioles and the Nats the other night where all of a sudden Patrick Corbin pitches well. You can't, you can't argue with the way he pitched. But when you don't score any runs and you give up two in the first inning and shut the team down the rest of the way, you still lose two to nothing. Anything can happen in a one-game playoff. If you're the Nationals, I feel good going up against anybody because of the, the three guys that they're going to start in, you know, one, two, three right. uh, with Scherzer, Strasburg, and Corbin. It's it's going to be interesting to see what Max Scherzer looks like down the down the stretch because well they're going to put him on six day, and I think and, that uh, makes a lot of sense right and I and I, I they're going to go with a six man rotation. I think once, that makes once, a lot of sense once they wind up uh, having the rosters expand because you know you know what I've seen happen on a hell of a lot of times is you get two young pitchers pitching like Fetty and Ross, mm-hmm. then your supposed great guy comes back and you sort of. Hey, thanks a lot. And you push those guys to the side. One of them gets totally off kilter because all of a sudden he's not pitching regularly, right. and they go to they go to hell in a handbasket. Yeah, and uh, while while I thought Scherzer was much better, even though he went four and a third last time out, I think, uh, or I'm sorry, he pitched into the in into the fifth. Into the fifth, right? So four and a third. Uh, I thought he was better. Uh, last time out with the eight strikeouts than he was the first time. It was a bit better. The, the pitch count went from 71 the first time to 89 the other night. Uh, and, and I think for him, he's agreed and he's on board with what Dave Martinez wants to do with the six-man going I, down. I think that makes a lot of sense. I going, hadn't even thought about that. Going down the stretch, yeah. Right. So and, and that gives him a little more recovery time, a little another day to help strengthen and I think I think you'll see Max Scherzer be Max Scherzer within the next two starts. I'm, you know, look, I'm keeping my fingers crossed that that happens. Yeah. Uh, listen, Kyle uh, Ottenheimer and um, and uh, Glenn Clark do this show here every day, Monday through Friday, called mm-hmm. the Glenn Clark Radio Show. Right. They've got a big interview, a good get. Bud Selig, the former commissioner of Major League Baseball, is doing the the uh, interview rounds. Because he's got a new book coming out. I was going to say, the book tour. Yeah, the memoirs. Uh, the memoir book. Uh, and I don't know the title of it, but uh, here is a preview, a short uh, four-plus-minute snippet from that interview. You can hear the entire interview this Tuesday morning on Glenn Clark Radio. A lot of people have shared opinions about the concept of tanking. And... In, in Baltimore, we're a little defensive about it because we say, hey, we're looking at what happened in Houston the last couple of years and how they turned things around. And frankly, most people in Baltimore, I think, are on board with what the Orioles are doing and saying, hey. Well, you know, I have an answer for that. Okay. There's no other way. I went to Houston and I went to Chicago first. Yeah. And the Cubs were, oh, they're tanking and they're doing this and they're doing that. Three, four years later, three years later, they were the world champions. Right. And I went to Houston, and, oh, they lost 100 games, and how can you allow this? And then three or four years later, they were world champions. So the, what the Orioles are doing, they're doing it the only way they can. And they're doing it right, and people there should be grateful. Is there the, – the baseball people, the big-picture people will say, okay, fine, but it's not good for the game for there to be so many non-competitive teams or teams that aren't necessarily trying. And 
I don't know if there might not be an argument for that, bud, that perhaps for the greater you know, good of the game, it's not great. But I don't know how to measure. Now, let me, Glenn, let me ask you. If you know your team is not good, tell me another way. Because I've been in this business 50 years. Right. Tell me another way that they could do it. I, I agree. For what it's worth, I really do well, agree. I, 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 I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I don't think there's any, there's not even a doubt about it. Is is there you know is there anything else baseball should do to try to make the entire sport more competitive or is it just sort of always going to be this way that there's going to be a handful of teams that are kind of going through this ebb and flow no, situation? I, well, I don't think. I, listen, I, I, again, um, I I don't think that's true. I think you're always going to have some teams that are good and others that have to rebuild. But if the Cubs and the Astros can do it to, to where they are today. And it's been true all along. I don't see where there's another way. And I, as I said, I've run a team, and I've been through right. a lot of things. And, and Glenn, I, I think what the Orioles are doing now is something that they have to do. And then someday, you'll thank them. I, I, I hope you're right about that, first of all. I certainly hope you're right about that. Cause yeah, it'd be I good, think I am. For good for, for everybody. And I, I want you to know, I, I completely agree. And I've been sort of defensive of the Orioles during the course of the season because I think you're right. I think this has proven to be the best way to go about doing something, even if it might be painful at the beginning of things. It is painful. There's no question about it. But, you know, Branch Rickey, the greatest baseball executive of all time, used to say rebuilding jobs take three to five years. He said it in the 40s and 50s, and he'd be right again today. Yeah, it's no doubt. And, again, you know, it's not, it's not a lot of fun in the beginning of it, but the idea is you get to the point, and I think people forget. Everybody looks at what the Astros did. They That's forget true. just how miserable it was for a couple of years That's in Houston no question about before it. things turned around. But, you know, do you still enjoy the game today? Like, do you still oh, see- I love the I love the game. I'm watching – Games uh, every night. I'll watch all fifteen, or I'll watch the afternoon games. And yes, I do. I enjoy it very much. I know that people have said that you know there are too many this and too right. many that. And I agree. And they we've worked on time of the game and so on and so forth. But I want to say this to you. I heard in 1958. I, t- I retell the story about how um, the game was moribund and it was dying, and it well, you know the younger generation hasn't accepted it. Well, here we are 62 years later, and we're doing better than we could have ever dreamed, and the game will continue to survive. Yeah, there's things we can do, and I agree with that, by the way. And I did a lot of things, probably more active than any commissioner in history, whether it was a wild card or interleague play, revenue sharing, all kinds of things. But... They'll do those and continue to do them, and the grand old game doing pretty well. And and you think that the people that are, you know, the, the home run walk, the, the, everything's a home run and strikeout, you think that's more hyperbolic than it truly is? Well, we go through stages, you know. I remember when they had to tinker with the mound and do a lot of other things that were, uh, that, um, uh, because we needed more scoring. We went to the DH. We did a lot of that. And now we're on the other side. So we go through different cycles. Everything in life goes through cycles. And there you have it. Four-plus minutes of an interview Glenn Clark did with Bud Selig, who's making the uh, book tour. And uh, the entire interview, which is somewhere between 17 and 20 minutes, will be aired Tuesday morning on Glenn Clark Radio, and it'll be there on the archives for you as well. 
uh, your thoughts about the commissioner. Well, you, I think you know my I know thoughts we on. I know we didn't get to the steroids. And yeah, that. and, and uh, you, th- I, you know, my my thing with Bud Selig is, you know, especially when it comes to the steroid issue, is the fact that he spent, uh, you know, and, and he's not only guilty of this. The people in the media, we all were guilty of it. Hey, I used to stand mm-hmm. right next to Jose Canseco and Mark McGuire and just thought they were just bigger, bigger you know. than everybody. Yeah, yeah. and. Uh, uh, I, I, I think, and I truly believe that he didn't do anything about it. He knew about it until he was forced to do something about it. And I'll never forget, uh, when Bonds tied the record down in San Diego at Petco park. And he looked like, uh, he sat up in the, in, in his suite there at Petco and he couldn't even look up as Bonds was rounding the bases. Uh, and it almost reminded me of the look he had after the 8-8 tie in the All-Star game in Milwaukee, which I happened to cover. Right. Uh, I, I just I, I think there's a lot of uh, hypocritical stuff that goes on with Bud Selig, you know, right. and it, it's selective. Uh, but that's your opinion of him. What about what he said about tanking? Well, ta- you know, I, I just don't – I'm of the firm belief that if you go into most clubhouses, you know, and you bring that up, you're going to get rebuffed, you know, in a lot of different ways uh, because there's, I don't think there's a, a team or a player out there who goes out there to intentionally lose. I mean, I, I really just don't believe that. No, and I, and I don't think – What about my, a general manager? Yeah, the general – it's more at the management level than that the players are actually yeah, not but how going can out there. How can the GM influence that other than – Putting players on the field that he doesn't or that he feels aren't good enough to win any kind exactly, of game. But, but, exactly he's put, but he's putting the players he is out there for financial reasons. In other words, yeah, well, I, you, I, do, I get you, don't, that. you don't do a rebuild without shaving payroll and shearing payroll. The only thing Glenn didn't ask him about was the people that are against it are the Players Association. Right, exactly. That's who's against. That's ta- who's against it, right. The, uh, not against. I don't think it's tanking. I think it is the legitimate way that you rebuild a sports franchise. Oh, I think it is, too. And from that standpoint, I agree with Selig, is that, you know, the Orioles and their fans are going to have to deal with this for a while. And like like you and Mel and I were talking about, is the fact that you you get a John Means, you get an Asher Wojciechowski, who all of a sudden you didn't think was going to be a part of this. And if you find another pitcher or two... If you have three yeah. competent pitchers, I, I mean, you but, have a chance. If you're scoring runs like they're scoring right now, you might not have the best team player-wise, but you have a chance to compete. And I think that's what the Oriole fans want right now is a team that can at least Oriole compete. The Oriole fans are behind this right, right I now. I think they are yeah. too. Yeah, I think that what you have is the Players Association because players' salaries have stagnated uh, the past two years. Right. In other words, the, the, main, the main players – not the best players. Right. Those guys are making the money. But their view would be, oh, yeah, you're tanking. The way, the way to rebuild is go out and buy 10 expensive free agents right. and up your payroll by 70 to $100 million. And really that's not that's the way not, to go. That's no. not the way to go at all. Right. That's not the way to go at all. Because, because what it proves, it, these rebuilds, it proves unless you have minor league players ready to plug in when, you, when your franchise can't afford – to sign a Manny Machado or Bryce Harper. In fact, the Nats and the Orioles are exactly polar opposites. Mm -hmm. The Nats were able to let a Bryce Harper go to free agency Mm -hmm. 
and they had the players to replace them in Robles and Soto. Right. The Orioles had to let a Machado go and a Britton go, and they didn't have the players to right to take exactly. The and that's good, you know, kudos to Mike Rizzo for being for building able to, a great farm system. Building a great farm system. And the other part about that too is. Uh, that makes it even more interesting what happens with Anthony Rendon come the offseason. Well, I think also the contrast between Washington and Baltimore as markets are evident, right? Like Baltimore can't necessarily do both at the same time where they're paying a significant payroll to their major league club and also investing heavily in the minor league level in a similar way that, that Washington might be able to. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Orioles are having to cut well, costs in one but, department but in order Ori- to increase in another. But from the Orioles' standpoint, was there ever really the big burning desire to do that? In other words, you know, build that farm no. system up. No, for, there for was a never long the time. There was m- never the appropriate right. commitment, and and it was well. Now you have yeah. the appropriate commitment. <laughs> yeah, you have the commitment to build the farm system to enter into the international scouting world, and to do the analytical approach to things. So uh, they're doing things the right way right now. There's no question about it. The bat around is presented by Mobile One. Mobile One full synthetic motor oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center and ask for Mobile One. We are broadcasting from the live casino hotel studios, and momentarily, in about four or five minutes, we'll have the Manager of the Year, the Southern Atlantic League, South Atlantic League, and that is Kyle Moore. August 31st, we would be remiss if we did not mention uh, happy birthday to the late Frank Robinson. He would have been 84 today. Yep. A tragic loss, uh, you know, to uh, Baltimore baseball and baseball in, in general. In general, You know, yes. when you look at uh, the late Frank Robinson, and it is quite remarkable he was an incredible player, probably one of the top five to eight players that have ever suited up, and that's saying something that he hasn't played in nearly 45 to 47 years. Right. And we can still say he's probably one of the top eight to ten players that ever suited and up. And played with Clemente and Marilyn and Kaline and Mays and all those guys and Brooks Robinson. But But the other things that he did in the game – the other people that we just mentioned, they don't have that kind of resume. He is re- remarkably one of the eight or ten best players to ever play the game and maybe in some ways one of the top five most important people in the game yeah. because of what he did breaking the color barrier to managing, right. to, break it, to, to being a significant contributor to Major League Baseball, you know. Uh, after they had done away with league presidents, he became very influential. No question about it. I'm glad I got to know him from a little bit of an easier point of view stand than maybe some others who dealt with Frank down through the years because from the time we all know what kind of a hard-nosed player he was. Yep. We also know what kind of a manager he was in Cleveland, not the most approachable guy, that kind of mellowed a little bit in San Francisco, but by the time he got with the Orioles and then later with the Nationals, right? You know, Frank was approachable. You could talk to Frank. His door was always open, and uh, that's probably the, the the biggest thing I take out of my relationship with him. Yeah, you got to see him at all those facets of his career. Yeah. Those last two stops along the way, managing the Orioles, and then after. Uh, a time off of managing, came back to manage the Expos, right, mm-hmm. initially? Yeah. And then moved to uh, Washington with the team. What was he like when he managed the uh, the Nationals? The Nationals, uh, he was very uh, 
uh, hard-nosed, didn't like to lose. We all knew that about him coming in, but uh, to show you what kind of a manager was, you know, the, the day he had to pull. Who hired him, by the way? Was it was Bowden? No, Bowden was not with them in Montreal. In no, no, right, yeah, but Bowden hired him in D.C., but right. here's the deal with, you know, probably the, the, the one thing I remember most about Frank was the game where LaCroix had to be taken out of the yeah. game because he had made, made like, Three errors, th- three or three or four throwing errors, and he just he just couldn't get it done right there. So he had to bench him. He put in another catcher, and uh, Frank went to the press conference afterwards. Sat down, and I'll never forget. Latson says, "Frank, you look upset. What's the matter?" And Frank was in the verge of tears, and then was really in tears when he was describing. You know, he hated to do that. Yeah. You know, but <laughs> you asked Lacroix, and I, I saw Lacroix this year this year up in uh, Harrisburg where he's managing. Uh, the Nats double A team. Right. And he looked at me and he says, uh, he says, well, if I was Frank, I'd have taken me yeah. out of the game. <laughs> Good for him. Yeah. Good for him. Uh, Frank Robinson, he'll be uh, missed, and today would have been his 84th birthday. Uh, we've got that uh, other uh, anniversary coming up on September 5th and 6th. Yeah, absolutely. Cal Ripken uh, breaking the uh, all-time consecutive games streak record held previously, of course, by Lou Gehrig with 2,130 games. And then uh, 2,131 came the night, uh, the next night afterwards uh, at the yard. And uh, two, of the most, uh, two of the most incredible nights I've ever spent in the ballparks, Dan, without question. Yeah. No question about it. And the fact that Cal homers in both of those games and, yeah, you know, just – it was hey, – Moose pitches the game uh, that breaks the the record. He gives up the home run to Tim Salmon in the first inning. And he says – and it was at that time I realized, you know, I can't lose this game. I better get going here. <laughs> Joining us right now is the manager of the year in Southern Atlantic League, and that is Kyle Moore, who's done a terrific job with those Delmarva Shorebirds do you deserve the credit, uh, Kyle, or do, does the organization as a whole, two regimes, deserve the credit for bringing in the talent? Yeah, I think it's a combination of a lot of different things. So there's certainly a lot of people working in the right direction to get to get all of this going. I mean, there's there's a lot of talent on our roster and a lot of guys that I'm really proud of. I think uh, the staff as a whole has put a lot of these guys in a really good situation. So uh, I think it's a, lot of, a combination of a lot of things, uh, certainly. Uh, good players uh, certainly help that tremendously and, and make it happen. But, um, but I think we've also done, done a nice job with helping every single player get better. Kyle, how you like Salisbury? It's my old stomping grounds. I went to school down there, college, and uh, uh, spent some years down, probably about nine or ten years down on the eastern shore. Uh, what's it been like for you this year? Yeah, it's a great little town. You know, they got a good fan support here, a, a pretty big following for this eastern shore. Uh, minor league affiliate, especially since we're with the Orioles, we're just right here close. I mean, you got the beach here; you can drive to, not too far. Uh, there's really nice golf courses, and then you know Salisbury itself. You know, it's got it's a nice little sized town. So, yeah, my family and I have really enjoyed this town, and uh, the, the fans especially. It's really nice to to give these fans a good season and give them something to cheer for here. Kyle, you've been around. Uh, you've been in the Oriole organization for ten plus years. Um, do you find what what uh, Mike Elias did in keeping three managers, uh, you know, that had been with the organization, but but moving them each up? You came from Aberdeen up to uh, Delmarva. Uh, um, 
Buck Britton went from Delmarva to Bowie, and Gary Kendall went from from Bowie to Norfolk. Do you think that's a good way for an organization to kind of show some continuity with uh, the teachings? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that says a lot about you know what they thought about us from the beginning, and uh, I thought those are all great moves. Those are great baseball guys, you know, Buck and Gary, and they're 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 doing a great job um, where they're at. So. Uh, that that definitely uh, speaks volumes to to some staff that was already here that was already under contract when Michael Ass and his staff got here. So uh, I think we were all pretty pleased with that. You know, we got a promotion and got an opportunity to manage some players under a different regime. And and uh, you know, all we could do was go out there and, and prove it and, and show them that we we're good managers. And I think all of us have done that. Kyle, uh, Stan, and I, when we were growing up, there was something called the Oriole Way, where you learned the game at the minor league level. You and, went, and we're both old, Kyle. And, and we're both old. <laughs> but but you, you learned the, the game the right way in the minor league level, and you proceeded through the system. Uh, that's not obviously the case anymore. But what to, to Stan's point about continuity, how important do you think it is at all levels of the system to be teaching guys the right way in a uniform way that when they get to the big leagues – that they're ready. And the reason I ask that especially is because of the pitching that you guys have at Delmarva, what Bowie uh, has proven this year up up here. Uh, I think it's really important. Yeah, no, for sure. I would say it's imperative. Absolutely. I'm a big believer in that. And I think, I think a lot of times your best coaches are at your lowest levels where that, that foundation of exactly what you were just talking about, whether it be the Oriole way or just the right way to play a game and be a professional is, is really started in, at, the, at the lowest levels, GCL, Aberdeen, Dominican Summer League. And uh, as they go up, you know, they kind of know what to expect, how to be a pro, how to do things that we're asking them to do from a pitching development standpoint. So uh, I think I think that's the one thing that's super exciting about this new regime is that they're fully invested in the lowest levels, which, which you know, I can tell you from managing here in Delmarva at one of the lowest levels is that that second half of the season, you need help and you need good draft picks and you need guys that have been managed by good managers at the very lowest level. And, and Alan Mills did a great job with that, with the guys we got from him, and so did Kevin Bradshaw. So that's exciting because I do firmly believe in, in that Oriole way sort of mentality of building him up from the very bottom. You know, uh, before we talk a little bit about your season this year, i got to ask you about one player you must have brushed elbows with over the past few years, and that's Mike Yastrzemski. I'm not sure if you ever managed him, but have you have you coached him? I didn't manage him, but I was with, I was with Mike for just different little parts of short seasons. Uh, I mean, I saw him in spring training and knew him really well every year, and I and, uh, thought the world of him. I think he's a fine, fine guy and, and, and a really – even better baseball player. So, uh, what a year he's having! I mean, wow. Yeah. So my really it up. my question was about how a team and every team does it. I mean, you know. But last night I got onto three Twitter guys from San Francisco. We're kind of bashing the Orioles uh, and talking about how Farhan Zaidi made such a brilliant move, taking a gamble on Mike Yastrzemski. Um, you know, all teams miss on some of their own talent evaluation. Is it something that's more prone to happen when you have a new regime in who's not quite as invested in someone that they may not know? Yeah, for sure. I think I think that new regime had a really difficult task because they came in and they didn't know they didn't know anybody. So yep. they're just running 
running numbers and they don't know who's who or what's what. So I think in a really short time they had an extremely difficult task. And, and you know, I think sometimes, too, I think the credit goes to the player. Like, Jastrzemski did this. Like, you, mm-hmm. know, you know what I mean? Like, he, he needed a change of scenery. He got it. He earned it. Went to AAA, killed it, and then went to the big leagues. And now look at him. And yep. I don't think anybody in our camps thought Jastrzemski was a bad player or was a bad dude or was anything right. short of just a really, really awesome dude that had a chance. I think we were in a tough spot because we had to pick some other guys. So, we, you know, we, we gave the nod to the other guys, and San Francisco took a flyer on him. I mean, come on, you can't quite possibly say that. Or how they did a genius. Right, right. Because he didn't have a clue that he was going to do what he did. Yeah. Sure, it makes him look great. I think everybody everybody would say it makes him look great. But yeah. I think you got to give the player the credit to the player. Yastrzemski did it. Yastrzemski put his nose in there. He went to AAA and worked hard and, and got better and got a, finally got an opportunity in the big leagues, and now look what he did. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. We're talking with Kyle Moore, manager of the year in South Atlantic League, uh, done a marvelous job with the Delmarva Shoreboards. Um, everybody wants to know mostly about two pitching prospects you have, and of course I'm going to ask you about Grayson Rodriguez and Drew Rahm, but I've just become familiar with a, an oddly named guy, Gray Fenter, um, yeah. who's a little bit older than those guys. I think he's 22 years of age, uh, going on 23. What do you tell us about uh, right-handed pitcher Gray Fenter? Yeah, I think I think he's the one guy that's flown under the radar all year long because of those other two guys that you mentioned, Rob and Rodriguez, and some of the other prospects that we've had on the team in general. But what a year Gray has put together. And I'm uh, really proud of him because – a few years ago, he had been through some stuff. He had an injury to his arm. He went through a rehab process. And anybody that's ever ever done a long-term rehab process knows mentally it can really really wear you down. And uh, I think Greg grew up a lot over the course of last year. I was fortunate enough to, to get him in Aberdeen last year. He he came down from Delmarva, and, and, and he was pitching the bullpen last year in Delmarva. And things just kind of weren't going his way. He wasn't doing strikes. He was coming in the game, putting too much pressure on himself. So last year, he came down to Aberdeen to be a starter, and we, we just we just sent off, and he had a great year and uh, really got better, grew up. Again, the credit goes to the player here. Essentially grew up mentally and emotionally, became a pro. And so he's only 22 years old. I know it seems like he's older than that because we've had him for a long time because he's a high school pick out of Arkansas, and uh, we gave him some money. But I think you're, you're really starting to see the fruits of somebody who's maturing and has worked hard for a long time. But in the last time out, he threw the ball uh, as good as I've ever seen him throw it. He was up to 95 with a plus slider, and he's got a breaking ball. is probably his best pitch. So that's kind of scary when you say, well, he's 95 with a plus slider and breaking ball is actually his best pitch. But uh, the last time out, he had all three working, and it was unbelievable. So, you know, here's a guy who's flying under a lot of radars, but. Uh, I think you've got a high ceiling. With the amount of talent that you've had down there and to put the season together like, like this team has done, uh, and I remember people talking about with the start you got off to, we're at Camden Yards on, on a nightly basis, and everybody's saying, well, what's in the water in Delmarva? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, but but then it continues, and then you find out, you know, really these guys are legit and it's no fluke. What has it been like to manage this team for you personally this year? Well, it's really been, I mean, it's been a year where, um, 
sometimes you sit back and you go, wow, how did we do that? How did we pull that off? How did we go 22 and 4 or something like that to start the year? And I can remember sitting down to start the year and, and kind of just probably doing something I should have done, but looked and saw what the team before us did here. And I go, man, and then they started out like 11 and 3 or something. Like, wow, how did they do that? And they started out 7 and 0. Oh. And then all of a sudden I look up and we're like 22 and 4. I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> I, I guess we're pretty good too. So anyway, I think it's been a, it's been a pleasure to manage. Uh, anytime you get to manage a bunch of guys that can pitch, it makes your life a lot easier. Uh, so we had a bunch of starting pitching, and in the first half of the year, we had an unbelievable bullpen. Uh, Nalton, Joyner, Matson, guys who were just nails out there. You get a lead. If we got a lead, we won the game because I knew I had three or four guys I could go to in the bullpen that I could really lean on. And then the last thing I'll say is that all year long, we've we've caught the ball better than everybody. So we don't give give the other team runs. The few losses that we do have, we've actually, I, in my opinion, we've given the other team runs. So the one thing that I'm really happy about is that we, we don't really get beat a whole lot. We either we either beat ourselves or, or we win. And, and that's something that, that's really promising in the coach because if we go out there and we play and we play good, you know, most of the, most of the time it ends well for us. We're talking with Kyle Moore, the uh, manager of the uh... – uh, Delmarva Shorebirds, you know, the way you described it, how all of a sudden the team was playing so well and you looked around and wondered what happened. It reminded me of Pat Kennedy, a uh, men's basketball coach, a longtime basketball coach. He'd come to a preseason uh, prognosticating thing and he'd stand up there and he'd say, I'll tell you, my team, we, we don't particularly pass the ball very well. We don't really defend very well. We're not really a great shooting team, but I can tell you we're going to be one of the best coach teams in the country. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's a great pitch, too. Yeah. I like where he's going with that. Yeah. that hey, uh, I do want to get back to those two pitchers that have um, the youngsters, Drew Rahm and Grayson Rodriguez. What do the Orioles fans have in store for them should they stay healthy enough and everything goes right for them over the next three or four years? Yeah, there are definitely some big names to follow. I mean, just leading off with Grayson, I think you got somebody who has arguably the best stuff I've ever seen in our organization. Um, and, and with all due respect to some players that I have seen, I was here in Omar with uh, Eduardo Rodriguez, Dylan Bundy, Zach Davies, Tyler Wilson. I saw all those guys pitch at this level, fortunately, and this guy's got this guy's got top-end stuff that would project to be better than everybody. So. There's something to be really excited about. There's a front of the rotation guy. I mean, he's up to like 98 miles an hour his last time out, and he throws four pitches for a strike. So if there's anybody you want to see in the minor leagues that you want to just go, go be wild by, go see that kid because he's, he's got some top-end stuff. As far as Rom goes, I think I don't know if people knew who Rom was when we were going to the season because you know, the high school kid from Kentucky, he's just this lefty, and then all of a sudden he throws up all these numbers because – the same, the same is true. He, he possesses command of secondary stuff, and he's got a lot, enough life on the fastball on the left side to be super interesting. So, you know, I can't say what what his role projects to be. He projects to definitely be a major league player and help somebody win a lot of ball games. So, uh, really excited for both of those kids. And like you said, the key is going to be to stay healthy. The key is going to be to stay healthy, get opportunity, and pitch well. And and I think uh, you know, things look look bright for those kids.
Kyle, uh, everybody, all Oriole fans are very excited about the number one draft pick in Adley Rushman. Slow start at uh, Aberdeen, but then he came on, and then he comes down to your place. A little bit of a slow start there uh, before he gets it going. What is it like to be around him? What kind of a kid is he going forward, and uh, how excited should Oriole fans be? Yeah, I mean, they should be really excited. Um, great kid. Just a just a solid a solid individual. Uh, I mean, the one thing I take from him recently is just his ability to catch. I mean, he's he's a as good of a catcher as you're ever going to see. And I think that as, as that being a premium position in the big leagues defensively, I think don't worry about uh, there. And I think people need to keep in mind that this is the longest season of his life. You know, he played college baseball this year, and when you play college baseball with a big time program like Oregon State, he probably started playing baseball in like January, January 1st or mm-hmm. something like that, whatever. So longest longest year of the kid's life, and uh, not that that's an excuse, but I think that, that, that you're seeing that right now because it's really becoming a grind for him. But I definitely think the Orioles picked a star, a superstar. Um, love his VP, love his work ethic. I love the way he prepares for a game. And, uh, and again, I just think he's one of the best catchers I've ever seen who plays a premium position. So, man, I think they got something valuable. That's a pretty, uh, pretty intense praise, uh, having been around him only a, a short while. Kyle Moore, many thanks for joining us. I got a chance to chat with you the other day on uh, the Mid-Atlantic Sports Report. Look forward to meeting you sometime soon. Yeah, for sure. Same here. Thanks, All guys. right. Thanks. Kyle Moore, manager of the year in the Southern Atlantic League. Um, I want to tell you that Ken Zalas is back. He's I'll bad. Bet you, I bet you didn't even know he was gone. No, it's a fantasy. No, come on. <laughs> <laughs> he is back with the Press Box Fantasy Football Show presented by Glory Days Grill every Thursday morning at 1130. Press Box's fantasy guru will help set your lineups and fulfill all your fantasies. Well, your football fantasies anyway. Watch Facebook.com slash Press Box Sports and listen to PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. The Press Box Fantasy Football Show with Ken Zalas, Thursdays at 11.30 a.m., presented by Glory Days Grill. Great food, great sports. Uh, that's fantasies. And uh, we will be back. Uh, Eric Garfield going to join us in just a couple of minutes. Check out Costa's Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. They're known far and wide for their great steamed crabs and crab cakes. And their nightly specials also include crab cake night on Monday, rib night on Tuesday, steak night on Wednesdays with a half-price bottle of wine, and lobster night on Thursdays. Check out CostaZen.com to find out more. And the delicious crab cakes are shipped anywhere. In Birdland, summer looks a lot like strolling under the lights on Utah Street, diving into a juicy Boog's barbecue sandwich, snagging exclusive giveaways, and tagging your friends to get theirs too. Saving big with kids cheer free, or sipping on an ice cold brew on the Budweiser roof deck while jamming out to the all new Birdland summer music series. Whatever gets you going this summer, Oriole Park has you covered. And all you need is your ticket. Be part of it all. Orioles.com. Baltimore's favorite bar is just 771 feet from home plate. Sliders Bar and Grill, just steps from Camden Yards, is the perfect sports bar for baseball season and all things sports, with all of the big events on dozens of TVs. Daily specials include Mexican Monday, Wing Ding Wednesday, Bloody Brunch Sunday, and more, with different drink specials every day of the week. You can also book your private parties at Sliders with great spaces upstairs and on the outdoor patio overlooking Camden Yards. Sliders, Baltimore's neighborhood sports bar. See them 
them at slidersbaltimore.com and be sure to visit Sliders today. Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values, earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now, in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com slash bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. Ken Zalas, KZ here. I am back, and I'll be fulfilling all of your fantasies this season. Well, at least your football fantasies anyway. Pressbox Fantasy Football Show presented by Glory Days Grill every Thursday live at 11.30 a.m. Watch at Facebook.com slash Sports, or you can listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio as I'll help you set your lineups and answer all of your fantasy football questions. It's the Pressbox Fantasy Football Show presented by Glory Days Grill Thursdays at 11.30 a.m. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. The latest edition of PressBox is available now, and it's our annual college football preview. On the cover, Brooks DeBose profiles Maryland football coach Michael Oxley, who finally got his dream job but faces a tough task. Plus, previews for Navy, Towson, Morgan State, and more as well as a preview of the high school football season in the area. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBox. Boxonline.com. Glenn Clark and Kyle Ottenheimer here from Glenn Clark Radio. Kyle, you know, I'm regularly asked by folks about how we get so many great guests on our show. Well, I, I work really hard to get some of the biggest names on with us. I know you do, and the world recognizes it, but I want to challenge you to try to get some even bigger guests on the show moving forward. Okay, who do you have in mind? Well, nothing crazy. Like, what about Tim Tebow? Oh. Or, or how about Leonardo DiCaprio or, or Lady Gaga, maybe Barack Obama? Uh, you know what? I'll settle for Wilt Chamberlain. Well, I think he died. What? Yeah, like 20 years ago. So that's a maybe? Maybe Java Chamberlain. Glenn Clark Radio, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to noon at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio and Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. No one wants to talk to Java Chamberlain. Uh, we are back, and we want to remind you that the Bat Around, like all the shows that are podcast here at uh, PressBox and PressBoxOnline.com, uh, come to you from the Live Casino Hotel Studios, and we thank the folks at Live Casino Hotel for their sponsorship and support of PressBox. They've got some amazing shows that continue this fall at the Live Event Center. Casino... Uh, excuse me, at the center at Live Casino Hotel this fall, including, that's easy for me to say, funny, the look on your face when I was making a mistake was just priceless. Funny man, Norm McDonald, Saturday, September 7th, tickets start at just $29.50 and include $10 in free slots play. Other shows coming to the Live Event Center this fall include Grand Funk Railroad, Boz Skaggs, Kenny Babyface Edmonds, Gladys Knight, Michael Bolton, and more. Get your tickets now by going to livecasinohotel.com. We need to get Sugarcane Jane back. Well, just there with Dwight Yoko. I know. Yeah. Uh, Joining us now on the show is uh, an old friend of mine. Now I can say that because we've known each other about four or five years. Eric Garfield, Baltimorean, now a Sarasotan. Uh, First of all, how are you, uh, Mr. Garfield? Doing good. Happy Saturday. Thanks for asking. How are you? Uh, I know you're a big fan of Craig Heist, aren't you? (laughs) 
Absolutely. How are you, sir? Doing good. Doing good. All uh, right. Happy Saturday to you, too. All right. Now, the Sarasota area, by the look of the weather map, uh, the west coast of Florida looks right now like it's going to be spared any uh, significant uh, problems due to the hurricane. It looks like our coast is going to be safe. Uh, I woke up early this morning and started looking at it, but, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, in a matter of hours, we can say the same thing about both sides. Maybe it'll stay out, out in the ocean or maybe go uh, elsewhere, but, you know. Let's keep our fingers. My side for right now is safe. Let's keep our fingers crossed. One of the um, the um, uh, situations that the, the hurricane and where its uncertain path uh, created was the fact that the Gulf Coast League, which was due to just uh, enter its playoff uh, situation, they decided to be proactive. And uh, do you think they made the right move in calling off the rest of their season? Yes. Yeah. Uh a lot of the players are not local, and, you know, at the end of the season means it's time for them to go be with their families or to where they're from. Some of them are from areas where the hurricane might pass or might have thought to pass through. So uh, it's not, you know, the games, no matter what, are not well attended, and it would have taken, you know, uh, effort all across the state in, in, in multiple cities to complete the the playoffs and the, the short series. So, you know, as much as a lot of people wanted to see it and it really felt good for the Orioles to be in first, you know, they, they made it for, for, for safety. So it's definitely the smart, smart decision. All right. Now you're a hardworking guy and you have a company down there, Baltimore snowball company, which has the concession at the ball games. You do events and parties down there and you're, um, your livelihood has been deprived of you because of a unfortunate uh, automobile accident. You were actually on a bike, and somebody hit you, and you were banged up pretty bad. But on a on one positive side of it, and I know what you've gone through physically uh, to to get back to some normalcy in your life. But um, uh, one of the, the 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 positives of that was you had a lot of time on your hand uh, this uh, July and August, and you sort of took it upon yourself to to take a look at the Oriole prospects in the Gulf Coast League. I can't even begin to tell you how much fun it was and just so totally uh, random that I had this uh, several weeks, uh, month cluster of free time and the Orioles rookie league team was right. I live a, a couple blocks from the stadium and – it was a team that performed excellently and really was uh, seemed a level above their competition. And it was good baseball, station-to-station, fundamental-type baseball, and a first-place effort every game, every inning, every at-bat. You know, it really was very, very refreshing to see. Uh, not a lot of video, not no replay, nothing like that, no barely any fans, no walk-up music. So it really was like very much raw back-to-basics baseball. And it was just great to see an orange and black team playing the best. Let me ask you about Gunnar Henderson. What did you see out of him? Oh, Craig, a lot, a lot. Uh, he was the guy that uh, they drafted over slot. Over slot. Number two pick. Right. And signed him, yeah. And a lot and a lot yeah. of people in the organization are just really thrilled about that pick and what he could potentially be at the major league level eventually. 
Well, I'm no scout, but from what I saw early on, they have a lot of reason to be thrilled. It, it, you know, right now, I would say from what I saw, his ceiling is high, but his floor is also very high. He just looks he, – he's athletically built for someone so young. His wrists and his hands are huge, but he has a great attitude, a great baseball-loving attitude. He plays hard. He had uh, a very inconsistent first, uh, I guess, month or couple months of play, where his average, really, it sat at, at 180, it sat at 280, it sat at 80, and he finished up okay. They batted him first and second uh, a lot of times. They DH'd him or didn't play him in the second game of a, of a doubleheader. But he plays very straight up in the field. He, he feels the ball in front of him, not to the side. His throw is to first is a little sidearm, but it's got a lot of gas, and he throws it nice and high, not a lot of scoops. He has great range. He gets the balls that you would think off the bat that he just wouldn't. And remember, he's a kid. But I think the best thing is, is his offense. Very early on, he pulled a lot of things to first and, uh, and second. But as the season went on and he got more at-bats and a few more guys on, he used the whole field, and he even hit one in the, in the last game. I, I, I don't remember if he stopped at first or second, but it was a, a, long, a long shot to left field. In the last game, they actually ended up losing uh, the day before they called the season. We're talking so, with we're talking with Eric Garfield. You're listening to the bat around in the live casino hotel studios, and uh, Eric again. Just so folks out there know, they say, "Wait a minute, you got a guy on the show that owns a snowball company, and he had a lot of free time." You used to work in the media. You worked over at WBAL, were a producer at Sportsline. So yeah, I just want to give you some credibility. Uh, that you've been around sports for a long time and know your stuff. Uh, yes, yes, I, I, I guess that part helps. But I've really been uh, been watching baseball. You know, I'm. I'm I know you're a huge sports. fan. Huge fan. Tell me, so tell I've us. Been, uh, t- tell Craig. I've, I've been into the Orioles for a long time. Uh, we know that. Yep. Tell Craig and I. That's a name we knew, Gunnar Henderson. You said there are a lot of reasons down there to like what what you saw. Can you give us a, three or four other names and, and what impressed you about them? Absolutely. Uh, well, firstly, you know, the, the main thing, it's, it's, it's very apparent that uh, the, the new regime drafted for specific skills instead of, like, uh, best well-rounded player. And some of those skills already got players promoted. Uh, I really was impressed with uh, a guy who's on in, in Aberdeen now. His name is Trevor Putzig. He was drafted from Tennessee Tech, and he was a corner man. And he usually batted three, four, or five. And he really could make contact with, with anything. The way that people talk about uh, Vlad Guerrero, you know, he can hit one off the bounce. Putzig really drove the ball really well, but there were balls. He's not like a work-the-count type of guy. When he sees one and, you know, he gives himself the green light, he smashes it. So he, he hit a lot of line drives, and he was one of the better offensive guys that I saw to, to move on. All right, give us two, uh, give us not, two, two or three more quickly because we got uh, Buck Britton we're due to call in two minutes. Oh, 
Well, I'm sure he's going to know a little bit more than me. But uh, mm-hmm. all right, another guy that moved on was a leadoff hitter named Mason Janvrin. He uh, was very, very, very quick. Reminds me of Trey Turner. Gets moving on the base pass super quickly. But uh, the one I liked the most was a pitcher named Nick Roth from Randolph-Macon. He was a closer. And he was, I mean, as close to unhittable as, as I've seen. Everything was very low, and he closed out some, uh, some really important games that helped them get on a, a, a good streak. So those are three guys that really stood out to me. All right, Trevor Putzik, Mason Janram, and Nick Roth. Remember them. All right. I'll call back in five years, and I'll be like, oh, yeah, I remember we'll have you on, pretty good now. We'll have you on sooner than five years now. First of all, last question for you. We're about to have on an, another manager in the Orioles minor league system. Your impressions of how Mills did? Oh, man. he He's the strong, just like he was in the bullpen, strong, silent leader. It's easy in baseball for guys to, to pull for someone with that attitude. And he never yelled. He only The only time I heard his voice was cheering for the players from the dugout by name. He questioned a couple calls, but he wasn't loud. He wasn't boisterous. He made his point. He understood that sometimes there's only two umps, and some things work for him. Some things are going to end up not working for him. But I think his patience really is a good uh, – element for these kids to see like in their first exposure to professional baseball you know a lot a, a lot of managers in the rookie league were were like that and showed the same good qualities but you know Millsy team right. finished first here's the real last question egg custard with uh, marshmallow you got one for me uh <laughs> if you come down to sarasota we can definitely work it out i'll uh, i'll actually be near my equipment uh this afternoon and trying to get some stuff all right ready he's gonna the, fly down thank you sir appreciate it no, all right. no mr problem. garfield thanks a lot for spending some time with us always nice to talk to you later guys all right there he goes eric garfield he's a really passionate Oriole fan. yeah absolutely really passionate Oriole fan all right we're gonna make our connection with buck Britton uh next but, Craig, while we, uh, while we get him on the phone, let's tell folks about the Costas Inn, 4100 North Point Boulevard. Well, they're just great crab cakes, and uh, you can get the best steamed crabs uh, around. And uh, Nick and Pete will treat you right if you head on over for dinner. Great specials on the menu all week long. Uh, but in particular, Monday night is crab cake night. Tuesday is rib night. Wednesday is steak night with half-priced bottles of wine. And Thursday night is lobster night where you can get that either plain or stuffed with that fabulous Crab Imperial. And a bunch of other specials on Friday, miscellaneous specials. And don't forget, the best steamed crabs, the best crab cakes, and the best crab soup. And you can get any of it shipped to you anywhere in the world. The cost is in 4100 North Point Boulevard, 410 410- 477-1975. Joining us right now is another manager of the year. This time we've got the Bowie Bay Sox skipper, and he's the brother of uh, former Oreo great Zach Britton, and that is Buck Britton. Buck, how are you? Good. How are you? All right. Buck, you may not remember me. You were walking You were walking down the steps or up the steps, and I was walking, and Kristen Hudak introduced us from the media room. Okay. All right. I just thought I'd remind you of that. Buck, I can tell you how thrilled you sound. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. A lot of, there were a lot of faces. You met, you met a lot of people, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, 
What was this like? What was this year like? You moved up from Delmarva two two spots from Delmarva to uh, Bowie. Was it a tougher uh, job for you? Um, you know, I think the toughest thing was, uh, and, and kind of just like as a player, when you when you move up levels, the speed of the game. Um, and it was one of those things where in Bowie, I had a little more free reign on you know how to run a bullpen and stuff. And uh, but but things escalate quickly. Uh, the higher you go up, so an error could turn into a three-one inning before uh, you get a chance to breathe. So it's uh, the challenge was uh, trying to stay far enough ahead of the game, um, as opposed to in, in a ball where it's a little slower. Um, the fact that the club got on such a great roll, they're going to be in the playoffs, uh, and you were named manager of the year of the Eastern League. How much pride do you take in those accomplishments? Man, you know it's a it's a huge honor to be. Uh, to be voted that, you know, that's, that's something that you get voted on by your peers. So, uh, that, uh, that's something I take a uh, huge pride in. Um, I know it, it was a, it was an effort not only by me, but, you know, Keith Bodie, our hitting coach, Kenny Steenstra, Josh Conway, our development coach, uh, the strength coaches, the trainer. I mean, it was, it was, it was really a team effort to, to keep these guys going when, uh, in April, uh, things didn't look so good for us. We're talking with Buck Britton, the manager of the Bowie Bay Sox, whose team uh, uh, is going. You're you're definitely going to the playoffs, correct? Well, it's going to take. Uh, Erie would have to win three in a row, and we'd have to lose three in a, in okay. a row. So, all right. Well, we won't yeah. say it's definite yet. I'm superstitious, but yeah. I know you've had. I know you've had an incredible second half. I wanted to hone in on two pitchers uh, that the Orioles uh, had been trying to make into starting pitchers. And the decision was make made apparently individually maybe two months ago that both Dylan Tate and Hunter Harvey would move out of starting situations or the attempt to start to, to put them in the bullpen and maybe fast-track them a little bit. And it looks like in the case of both of them, it's worked out very well. Can you talk a little bit about whose who's decision-making was going on there? Was it you? in conjunction with Mike Elias or uh, tell us a little bit about how that went. No, that's, that's definitely something that's done on the, uh, you know, through Mike Elias and Chris Holt, our pitching uh, coordinator and uh, Kenny Steenstra, our pitching coach here. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know the exact thinking behind it. I just know the way those guys took to those roles was uh, pretty impressive. You know, it's, it's interesting. In both cases, there's a, there's a history of relief pitching. With Dylan Tate, he was a relief pitcher in college and good enough that he was a number one pick uh, taken by the Texas Rangers. And in the case of Hunter Harvey, while he had always been a starter, his dad was a relief pitcher uh, extraordinaire in the major leagues. And I, I'm assuming that's helped him accept that role. He doesn't view it as a, a downward role. No, that's something that uh, I was kind of proud of. Both of those guys, they uh, they took that the role and kind of ran with it. You know, it wasn't uh, there was no negativity about it. You know, they were both excited. Um, you know, both are type of guys that want to do anything they can to number one get to the big leagues and, and stay in the big leagues. Um, but are both guys that want to do whatever they can to help whatever team they're on win. And uh, what they've been able to do in the bullpen has uh, been pretty impressive in such a short amount of time. Buck, let me ask you this, and that uh, has to do with the organization in general in terms of, uh, you know, teaching players the right way to play the game. Now, earlier uh, we, we wound up having Kyle Moore on, who's had a great year, obviously, at, at Delmarva. 
But when you think about players coming up through the system, how important is it? And has Mike Elias at all talked about the fact that you want to kind of have the continuity throughout all levels of the of the system before players are ready to go to the big leagues? Yeah, I think that's something that they're uh, that's important to them. Uh, like you said, all the way through. Um, and, it, and it's important for all the coaches to be on the same page so that the players are continue they're, they're hearing the same verbiage, if you will, or uh, the same philosophy so that when they go to different levels and they see different managers and coaches, that it's just a, another building block on the foundation that was built uh, the level below. Um, so I think that it's very important so that the players can kind of get used to the, uh, the, I guess, the language that you use or just kind of the overall philosophy on what we're trying to do to get guys prepared for the big leagues. Uh, this is not meant as a question that opens you up to criticize your former bosses, but I, clearly the organization under Mike and Sig Madoll uh, puts a premium in, in analytics and uh, that approach to baseball. Is that something that you've always embraced or always understood? And have you found that it's the fact that Mike and Sig do embrace that it's caused you to have to really embrace it more or understand it better? Um, I, I think uh, definitely understand it better. I always knew um, bits and pieces of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know kind of the whole package, especially on the pitching side. You know, and as a manager, you got to kind of be um, well-versed in every aspect of the game and uh, the information that we're getting on the pitching side. Um, I know they, they were using that stuff in the big leagues with the old regime, but in the minor leagues, it, it it wasn't really uh, a priority, and now they're making it a priority, and um, it's been uh, interesting to see all the, uh, the new stuff that's come in, and I know there's uh, some excitement, especially for the uh, you know the young managers in the organization, and even the people that have been here, they're uh, you know that are willing to learn and anxious to uh, to see what this information can do to help them uh, better themselves as coaches for the players. That was a good way you you accepted that question and and, and took it because. You know, I'm a guy who's understood bits and pieces of it, but the the having this this group running this team now, I'm finding it's caused me to want to learn more about it and the approach. And I'm wondering, I watched the Houston Astros where Mike and Sig were, and I watched them pick up a great pitcher like Justin Verlander, and they seemed to make him better. They picked up a good pitcher in Garrett Cole, and they made him better. They picked up uh, a so-so relief pitcher named Ryan Presley, and they made him a very important part of their bullpen. Then all of a sudden, I look at guys that you had this year that improved dramatically, and I'm saying I wonder if it has anything to do with the new regime and the analytics approach and advanced metrics and spin rate. Can you simplify the answer and just say whether it helped or not? Yeah, it, it for sure did, and especially on the pitching side. I think that's where you're going to see it first. Yeah. Um, with all with all the new technology that's coming in, guys are starting to understand how their pitches move uh, through the strike zone, um, where where they throw those pitches in regards to their best locations in the strike zone. Um, so they're getting that little bit of extra knowledge that allows them to go out there and kind of game plan a little more uh, and how to attack left-handed hitters, right-handed hitters. Um, so it, it kind of teaches them to uh, to I guess to think through an outing a little more and um, be a little more more precise in what they're trying to do. We're talking with uh, Buck Britton, manager of the year of the Bowie Bay Sox. Buck, uh, tell our listeners and the folks viewing us on Facebook Live uh, a little snippet on on all these pitching prospects, the the top guys, Zach Lothar, 
uh, Alex Wells and uh, Bowman. Tell us a little bit about them. Yeah, well, we, we can start with Zach Lowder, who's uh, I think he's got 13 wins for us this year. Um, this is a guy um, who kind of like Wells. He doesn't really like the radar going up, although his fastball is picking up a little bit in velocity. But he's got he's got that that high spin rate, so that disappearing fastball to top of the zone. So he gets a lot of uh, swings and misses on his fastball, and he's um, he's really putting together a nice year for us and developing a, a breaking ball that's come a long way and a changeup. Um, for Alex Wells, this is a kid that's uh, just fearless. Um, fastball somewhere between 87, 89, but he's not afraid to not afraid to throw inside the hitters. Uh, he knows how to pitch. He's got a big breaking ball uh, to keep guys off balance, um, and he's and he's working on a third pitch and a slider, which has come a long ways and kind of giving him uh, another weapon for left-handed hitters. And then uh, big Mike Bauman. Um, first thing you notice with this guy is he looks the part. I mean, this is a, this is a monster out there on the mound. Um, and he's a guy that uh, mid to upper 90s fastball. Um, he creates a lot of downhill angle on it just because of the, uh, the overhand, uh, I guess, arm, uh, arm angle he has. is straight over the top. A lot of angle. Um and he's really developing a, a really nice slider to complement that, uh, working on a changeup and a breaking ball as well. So um, I, I would say these guys are these guys are well on track, man, and it's going to be fun, I think, the next couple of years as they start to put together their full arsenal and uh, move up the chain. Uh, I want to ask you about two guys that aren't under your uh, leadership right now but pitched very well for you this year, and that's Bruce Zimmerman and Dean Kramer. Um Knowing minor league baseball the way you do, why didn't they have smoother entries into AAA? In other words, what do you think hit them that they weren't prepared for or ready for? Yeah, the uh, the, the first thing I'll say is that is the baseball. So in AA, we still use the minor league ball, and in AAA this year they implemented the major league ball. So you're first off, we're getting used to a new ball, so that's okay. going to kind of kind of change things uh but second you know as you go up the hitters get better and they the hitters get more selective so the importance of being able to get guys out in the strike zone or uh, show them that you could throw your pitches four strikes to allow them to maybe then expand um whereas in double a you still get some really aggressive young hitters Mm -hmm. um so I, i think there they're learning that you know it's it's important to uh to throw strikes and be able to get guys out in the strike zone Dean Kramer this year, he's gone. First of all, he's been chosen to go to the Arizona Fall League. He had to battle through some injuries to get back and pitch for you. I think it was in mid-May or late May. Uh, how did those impact his season? Yeah, I think you know, without a doubt, you know, he kind of got a late start. Um, I I didn't have the opportunity to see him last year where he struck out, you know, everybody in the world. Um, so he got off to a slow start with us. Um, and, and the injuries definitely have hampered him. And I'm glad that he's going to go to the fall league and kind of uh, get his innings up to where he's, uh, you know, so next year he can kind of hit the ground running. Um, but, but Dean's going to be okay. You know, Dean's a smart kid. He's got, he's, he's got good stuff, and he's, he's going to be all right. What can you tell us about using, uh, with Diaz and what's going on with yeah. him? Yeah, he's Diaz. Diaz. Yeah, he's another guy. He, he's had an injury plug year. Um, he took some time off. He had a birth of his kids. So it's kind of been a, a crazy year for Diaz. Um, he's got he's got a lot of ability, a lot of tools. Um, I think the important thing for him is to uh, get his lower half in a little better shape, um, get some strength down there so that he can make it through a whole season. Um, because uh, when he's uh, when he's 100 percent and when he's going, he's fun to watch. 
Hey, you got the you're 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 a relative of a pretty big pitcher in Major League Baseball. Your brother Zach Britton. You got to manage two kids this year in Preston Palmero and Ryan Ripken, uh, who have kind of lineages to the past. What was that like? Uh, it's been great. You know, I had the uh, I was the hitting coach when Preston was in Delmarva, and then I was the manager last year when I had Ryan. Um, and both kids are, I mean, great kids, number one. I mean, they're just great people. Um, and I know there's there's probably added pressure that goes with being a Palmero and a Ripken, but these guys have, uh, they've done all right. You know, I think they handle it well. Um, and I think they both kind of understand that they're their own individual people and uh, they're going about this trying to carve a path for themselves. We had Ryan on the show a couple of different times. Uh, when he was at Delmarva and and the Pre- second wasn't it Preston? Preston Palmer, you said Ryan. I'm sorry. We had, we had Preston on. Yeah. And and you know he he had his last year with the Shorebirds had really good numbers. What's his year been like? I know he got off to a really slow start, but how's he rebounded in the second half? And and what kind of uh, what kind of prospect is he at this point? Yeah, you know, Preston got off to a slow start, but uh, this is a kid who, uh, you know, you know, the peaks and valleys emotionally. I think he's he's been pretty steady. Uh, his his dad's come out a lot to work with him. He's worked a lot with Keith Bodie here. Um, he's just a guy who he got off to a slow start. Sometimes that can be hard to overcome, but he's put together better at bats. He got a big uh, two RBI, two out knock last night to put us on top five three and help us win that ball game. Um, but he's. Uh, He's a good little player, you know. I don't know exactly what he's gonna, uh, who he's gonna be in the future. He can really play first base defensively. Um, not your typical first baseman, you know. He's not a, he's not a big bopper, but he does have some, some sneaky power. Um, so we'll see. I, I don't know if first base is gonna be where he lands, or if he turns into a guy who moves around the ball, uh, you know, around the diamond. But uh, uh, I'm looking forward to pressing kind of bouncing back next year. Hey, the last question is about two players that you had this year. One of them has moved up to Norfolk, and he's also going to the Arizona Fall League, which is Ryland Bannon. And the other is um, Ryan McKinney, who had such a great year last year. He got off to a pretty slow start this year. What can you tell us about those two guys? Yeah, well, uh, first we'll start with uh, Bannon. Uh, Bannon's a little guy in stature, uh, but he, he plays kind of like a big man. He's got he's got a little bit of power for 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 a, a little guy. Um, really fast twitch. Uh, we we primarily played him at third base. He played second base a little bit, but uh, at third base, I mean, this guy he's one of the quickest third basemen I've seen, and that first step quickness. Um, he's gonna be he's gonna be a guy. You know, I, I don't know how it's gonna translate to the big leagues. I think he's got a little bit of power. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think ultimately he's probably going to be a guy who moves around the diamond too. Um, but he's a he plays hard and he plays fast. Um, and then there's McKenna, and McKenna's kind of my wild card. And I, I had him in 2017, my first year, and probably he's got the best overall tools mm-hmm. in the organization. Uh, Very good, now, a plus defender in center. Plus defender, yeah. Plus defender, yeah. Um, so he can throw, he can run. He's got, he's got a lot of power. His, what he does in BP sometimes is, is absolutely impressive. The problem with Ryan right now is trying to find that consistency. Um, and being a high school kid out of the draft, I think he's just slowly coming along. He's learning baseball. You know, he's from, uh, he's from, uh, Maine. Um, so he was a little bit behind the curve as a high schooler there, but, um, 
he's doing a nice job, and I and I expect Ryan to just continue to get better. And uh, one of these days, everything's going to come together for this kid, and it's it's going to be exciting. What does being manager of the year in the league mean to you? Uh, man, it's it's awesome. It's obviously it's a it's a special honor. Um, there's a lot of hard work that goes into this, and I think uh, by them recognizing me as manager of the year, I think it's also a recognition of the staff and how hard they've uh, they've worked and. Um, I mean, what we've done to turn this thing around and the energy that the staff has brought to uh, to allow these players to kind of um, still be themselves and not put any added pressure to try to get out of some uh, losing streak that we were on or uh, worry about our record. Um, I think it's really a testament to, to this whole staff and what they've been able to do. Hey, Buck, they say that dreams die hard. Uh, you're dealing with kids that have the dream of playing in the big leagues. You had that same dream. How tough was it for you to sort of finally put that aside and say, hey, I love this game, I want to be a part of it, but I'm going to move on from playing? And how does the fact that you went through that help you deal with kids like a Preston Palmero who go through a tough time? Yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's never easy. I mean, your dream is when you're, when you're a kid is to play in the big leagues, right? Yep. Um, and it's it's uh it is tough. I was I was blessed and fortunate enough to have uh, Buck Showalter call me right away and have a meeting with him, and um, he kind of gave me his stamp of approval, saying that he thinks that I would be good at this coaching thing. So for me, that transition was uh, was pretty smooth, and I I got lucky that I had a guys like that in my corner. Um, but it's uh yeah it's it's tough, and I, I definitely take a different approach. I know how hard it is. Um, I've kind of seen two opposite ends. I've seen, uh, you know, my brother who was a big time prospect and myself who was a senior sign. So I, I've, I've kind of got the, the whole picture on, you know, how, how kind of baseball works. Um, and I had that grinder mentality. So I, uh, I treat everybody the same. That, that, that's, that's my one goal. I treat everybody the same because when it comes time for a kid to, uh, whose career might be over, um, it's, it's not an easy thing. It's not an easy thing. And I just want to be honest with the kids and, you know, kind of build that personal relationship so that when I do have to make a tough, you know, a tough call that the organization has made, they know that it's a uh, that it's coming from somewhere or somebody who cares for them. Hey, last thing. Speaking of family, uh, how tough was it for you to have your career go the way it did, and look over your younger brother was so successful at the major leagues, where I'm sure you're incredibly proud of him, but there's got to be some some human part of you that said, boy, I wish that could have been me. <laughs> yeah, you know, I never want to, I never want to take away, any, I mean, what he, what he's done and the work that he put in is, yeah. is impressive. Uh, but yeah, you know, there's that sense of, man, you know, what if, it would be awesome to be able, to be able to play in the big leagues too. I'm um, just, ta- I'm just think, talking about the money, Buck. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm hoping one day my bank account just fills up somehow. All right. Hey, uh, we, he's, he's been great, man. Yeah, your brother's uh, really to be admired. And he was a guy, didn't all come easy to him either. You know, he had to uh, take that role. So that what we talked about with Hunter Harvey and Dylan Tate, you know, Zach took to it like a duck in, duck in water, you know. Yeah, yeah. Hey, many thanks for coming on and congratulations on a great season and the recognition that came with it. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right, there good you guy. go. Very good guy. Very good guy. <clears throat> yeah. Hey, Baltimore's favorite bar, 
Craig, is just 771 feet from home plate. And like the warehouse, no one's ever hit that on the fly. Really? No. Sliders Bar and Grill just steps from Camden Yards is the perfect sports bar for baseball season and all things sports. Remember that, all things sports, Mm -hmm. with all the big events on dozens of TVs. Daily specials include Mexican Monday, Wing Ding Wednesday, Bloody Brunch Sunday, and more with different drink specials every day of the week. You can also book your private parties at Sliders with great spaces upstairs and on the outdoor patio overlooking Camden Yards. Sliders, Baltimore's neighborhood sports bar. See them at slidersbaltimore.com and be sure to visit Sliders today. Ken Zalas, KZ here. I am back, and I'll be fulfilling all of your fantasies this season. Well, at least your football fantasies anyway. Pressbox Fantasy Football Show presented by Glory Days Grill every Thursday live at 11.30 a.m. Watch at Facebook.com slash Sports, or you can listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio as I'll help you set your lineups and answer all of your fantasy football questions. It's the Pressbox Fantasy Football Show presented by Glory Days Grill Thursdays at 11.30 a.m. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. Jerry's Tire is located in Baltimore City, just steps away from Little Italy and historic Jonestown. Jerry's not only sells all the major brand tires like Bridgestone, Michelin, and Continental, but is your go-to shop for everything from oil changes to factory scheduled maintenance. All repairs are backed by a nationwide warranty. The team over at Jerry's has been serving the Baltimore area for over 62 years and are eager to earn your business. Give them a call at 410-685-4330 or visit them online at jerrystires.com to shop for tires and schedule an appointment. That's Jerry's, G-E-R-R-Y-S, tires.com. I like world-famous chicken. You like world-famous chicken. We all like Royal Farms world-famous chicken. Why? Because Royal Farms world-famous chicken's always fresh, never frozen. Because it's hand-dipped in a secret recipe of herbs and spices. Because it's cooked on the spot, right in the store. And because it's the juiciest, best-tasting chicken on the planet. That's why everyone likes Royal Farms world-famous chicken. Western fries, too. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. This is Ross Grimsley with a reminder to all my baseball friends out there that I'm now part of the Press Box podcast team. Catch my take on the O's and whatever's going on in this great game of baseball. We'll also touch base with some of my old friends and teammates. Tune in every Tuesday morning or listen anytime at PressBoxOnline.com slash Ross Grimsley Show. Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values, earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now, in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. The latest edition of Press Box is available now, and it's our annual college football preview. On the cover, Brooks DeBose profiles Maryland football coach Mike Loxley, who finally got his dream job but faces a tough task. Plus, previews for Navy, Towson, Morgan State, and more as well as a preview of the high school football season in the area. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at Press Box. 
The Smokehouse Barbecue Bacon Sandwich has come to Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square. A boneless breast of chicken marinated with a special blend of seasonings and grilled for a tender and juicy backyard grilled taste served on a toasted buttered sweet yeast bun with Colby Jack cheese, bacon hand-tossed in a brown sugar and pepper blend, and green leaf lettuce. Topped with zesty Smokehouse Barbecue Sauce, have it with their real lemonade and the famous Chick-fil-A waffle fries for a late summer meal that satisfies. Nobody waits for food unless they choose to Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square offers the super fast service you count on. Dine in, drive through, or pre-order with your Chick-fil-A app, and it'll be ready when you get there. Plus, if you use the Chick-fil-A app, you automatically accrue points for free food. There's no better time for Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square than today. 5198 Campbell Boulevard in the Nottingham Square Shopping Center. Catering available. We are back. On the batter round, I want to remind you that the latest edition of Press Box is available now, and it's our annual college football preview. On the cover, Brooks DeBose profiles Maryland football coach Mike Loxley, who finally got his dream job but faces a tough task. Plus, previews for Navy, Towson, Morgan State, and more, as well as a preview of the high school football season in the area. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. And uh, Mr. Loxley and the Maryland Terrapins have a noon kickoff against Howard. So down that at, game uh, has started. Yes, yeah. just about, yes. So. What are you looking for? What would make a good season for Mike Loxley? Four wins, five wins? I think so, something yeah. like that, uh, because obviously the – the division they're in in the Big Ten is always going to be their bugaboo, I mean, yep. in terms of doing anything special. Uh, but uh, I think they've got the right guy for the job with everything and the turmoil that was a part of that program last year to get him back, uh, coming from Alabama, and then uh, to, to know that the recruiting in the area, I think, will, will, be, in great will shape. be in great shape. You know, more kids will want to stay kind of close to home and go play for him. Uh, I think they've got a, a good thing going there. couple of reminders, Glenn Clark and Kyle Ottenheimer, every day Monday through Friday from 10 to 12 with the Glenn Clark radio. Tuesday through Friday, Tuesday this, through week, through Friday yeah. this week. I apologize. I didn't want to make you work on Labor Day. I'm I will sorry. be off. All right. Uh, so Tuesday through Friday this week, 10 to 12, the Glenn Clark radio show, featuring on Tuesday not only five words or less, but and most importantly, lengthy, five words or less. A lengthy interview that Glenn got snagged with the former commissioner of Major League Baseball, Bud Selig. Ross Grimsley show on Tuesday morning at nine. Indeed. I'll be in for that. And uh, are we starting uh, Ken Zalis on Thursdays at eleven thirty? Correct. We're billing that as the fantasy football show. Press box but fantasy football show. But it's part of part the Glenn of Clark Radio. The show. last half hour of Thursday's show All on right. Glenn Clark Radio will be dedicated. And to Ken when Zales. does the high school football show? Tip off. Do you know anything about I that? I do not okay. on the top of my head. All right. But Booker you, one would, one would think be, it would be soon, seeing be as soon. how it's just around the corner. All right. So a lot of good stuff. Uh, and the bat around will be here next Saturday, uh, 10 to 12. Already know a couple guests. I've got our friend uh, Craig. Whether you're here or not, I don't know. But Rick Vaughn will be with us okay. next, next week. And uh, Andrew Stetka. Also, will be with us next week. Sounds good to All me. All right, good start. Have a great weekend, everybody, and enjoy your Labor Day and uh, stay uh, healthy. <laughs>